The F and Rad Snowboard Podcast is presented by Vans. Oh yeah, I wanted to be absolutely not attractive to snowboarders. Maybe we need an injection of that, because it'd be interesting. And I didn't sign the contract, I just had it in my bag for a couple of months. <laughs> and we're like, oh, that's just banging that run. We pushed each other to become better. Front three tailed it. Season 5 of the F and Rad Snowboard Podcast is sponsored by Wired Snowboards, The Boardroom Snowboard Shop, and On Optics. Crow's Nest Barbershops and Tribute Board Shop in Nelson, B.C. Support for the show also comes from Cypress, Grouse, and Mount Seymour, Vancouver's three local mountains. The Boardroom Snowboard Shop is an independently owned shop with world-class service and selection. The Boardroom guarantees that you'll love everything you purchase and offers shipping to Canada and the United States. Go to boardroomshop.com for all your snowboarding needs. The Boardroom also sponsors events around the Vancouver snowboarding community like the Bake Salmon at Mount Seymour and Demo Days at Cypress Mountain. Visit a Boardroom location and tell them that Eric from Rad sent you. This is Dave Hatchett's second interview on the Rad Snowboard Podcast. I first interviewed him on the first season and it was so much fun I couldn't wait to reconnect with him when I was down in Lake Tahoe. I rode Homewood with Dave on a day that scored an A on Dave's Resort Day rating scale. He lives with his family in Tahoe and is still close with his twin brother Mike and still snowboards with the excitement of a teenager and the wisdom of a guru. This is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, so please enjoy this interview with Dave Hatchett. How, how much at, at, uh, on the mountain? They're saying three to nine. Oof, on top of five to 14. Mm-hmm. Like that could be insane. Next storm's going to miss us, maybe. Next weekend could bring heavy rain and snow to Northern California. Just got to wait and see. Like, tomorrow could be good. Sunday's probably going to be better. Sunday might be like, pretty good. So the guy that showed me around today, the second guy, was a guy named Jason Mack. J- oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he was telling me, he pointed out the uh, the hatchet. He's like, yeah, nice. He's like, they, they still call it the hatchet because I told him I was coming that you'd lent me the pass and that I was going to be interviewing you today. Classic. He's like, ask the guy what it's like to have a <laughs> world class run named after you. That's classic. It's probably the raddest inbounds run I've ever seen in my life. I <laughs> yeah, think that's I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been all over and I haven't been to Europe and supposedly uh-huh. Europe's pretty sick. But I mean, when you take Mount Baker, which is, you know, the gem of the Pacific Northwest, there's, there's nothing like the fingers. I mean, there's flying the wall and there's some cool shit there, but it's short and steep and weird. Whereas that hatchet run is, (laughs) you got all that glory coming into it too. You just got like nice mellow turns coming in so a lot of fun and then you're just on top of it and the whole chairlift is watching you exactly yeah it's a <laughs> it's a nice spine line for sure it's cool it's uh, like you said it's a bunch of pow turns you can pull that like that right there oh that's good um yeah it's a pretty cool uh run a lot of nice rad turns leading into a pretty sweet spine to finish it and it rolls off steep so steep and uh you definitely got to kind of just point it because it's, it's too steep to turn really so yeah. you, just, you get to a point where you just got to like let it run and it'd be real easy to air the whole thing accidentally if you were going too fast. Right. It's sick. So does somebody do it every year? Like, does it fill in every year that you could do it? Yeah. It's, that line was funny because it used to just kind of sit back in the day and not a lot of, you know, people, I, I've just watched the, I've watched the transition 
back in the day where hardly anyone would do the fingers right or a few people down to now where there's just 20 people charging it within the first hour <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. there's so many good snowboarders and skiers charging it so the, obviously the the experience level and the ability level of all the riders and skiers has gone way up yeah and so it's pretty there's a lot of good people that are it's way within their limits to ride that stuff yeah Corey octoon told uh-huh. me uh, that you got a 12 shot sequence on that and that Sedway shot it from the parking lot or something yeah that was a it was it was in transworld for sure i can't yeah, remember how many like two page spread or yeah. something and it's it's funny the the story behind the hatchet line is, is kind of funny because the funniest thing to me is it got it got ridden way before i wrote it i wasn't i wasn't the first guy to ride it right it, it peeped i mean the north face guys the north face extreme team tons of people had done it it was it's right under the chair it's an obvious spine line it's one of the you know the prettiest most doable lines in the fingers really yeah it's one and it's one of the only lines where you really don't have to do like a big air to flat so right, that, right. So, so that's what it really appealed to me i'm like cool i can actually just ride down that line and not have to like you know buckle my knees into my face and so that that was one of the lines I really wanted to do. And, and basically what happened was it was Super Bowl Sunday and it was in like mid-January and we were filming like maybe TB6 or 7, somewhere in that era. And I woke up at 5 in the morning, charged a squad, got into KT, got into the line at KT and I was in line. I was, the, I was on the first chair and I was determined I'm going to go up on the first chair and I'm going to ride down. I'm going to be the first guy down the fingers. Mike's going to film it. Seth's going to shoot stills and I'm going to ride this line I've always wanted to ride. And the conditions were perfect. It was a bluebird day. The snow, it was a kind of a wet snow with a little bit of wind. And it had stuck perfectly to the fingers, to the, to the, what was going to be the hatchet line. I didn't know then. <laughs> so I uh, got to the top and I charged down the face, made a bunch of sweet turns coming into it. And it was, I did the kind of classic, like I, I looked at, I did the kind of classic thing where I almost got kind of lost at the top because as the fingers rolls off, there's just, there's all these knuckles and you can't really tell which knuckles, which, and I had lined up with a couple snow stakes that the ski patrol had put there. And I'm like, I think that's the right snow stake. And I, so I just kind of like did a couple scrub turns as I was coming in to kind of make sure. And then once I knew I was on target, I, I, I let it go. But basically I came down and I ripped it. I just had like a really good run. It was great. Like I, I envisioned the run exactly how I wanted it. And I'm, I'm going to do a heel turn right by that sign. I'm going to flow onto my toe and then I'm going to just point it down, hit the transition right out. And sure enough, I just hit the line exactly how I envisioned it, rode out, and then the whole chair just erupted. Just <laughs> they, like everyone just started screaming and clapping and yelling. And from that day on, like so many people saw it, and it was, I guess, such a clean run that that it just that was the day that literally dubbed it the hatch run. It was between like, I don't know, maybe the people that saw it from the chair, and then the shot ended up in the movie and one of our you know, standard films flicks, and then it was in Transworld. And I, I don't know, I guess there was just so many people that saw it that they literally, it forever became the hatchet line after that. And it was, it was funny because I had, that day, I had so many people come up to me down at like Dave's Deli. They would see me like, dude, I saw you run in the fingers. That was so sick. That was flawless. And right, I, know, I remember right when I finished, right when I hit, the, I hit the transition and I did a big toe turn and I just had a big grin on my face. And I heard this guy from the chair yell, nice run, yellow, because I had a yellow jacket on. So I was like, the, it was just funny. It was like, the guy yelled, nice run. And then this guy, Dana McCorkle, the surfer guy from Santa Barbara, a good friend of mine, he saw me at Dave's Dale. And he's like, dude, that was the smoothest, most flawless run. Like, that was just so perfect. How do you do that shit? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was funny. It was, but that, that was, it was just kind of a funny story behind a line that had been skied or snowboarded so many times in the past. 
And I don't know, maybe that happens a lot with like some of the runs at Squall that you think it, some of these names are in the Squallywood book and why are they named that? And right, like, right. What, I mean, did some guy do this in 1950? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, meant, I mentioned the, uh, that uh, Jason Mack took me down the Coleman shoot, uh-huh. which is a pretty obvious shoot from the chair. Like it's yeah. right down the middle of everything, basically. Yeah. And uh, I, I was like, I, I was just so hyped, dude. It's so, it's so crazy to be... At Squaw Valley, Lake Tahoe, I'd never been to California before to snowboard ever. And my first day I'm riding by myself and this guy's pointing out the hatchet line and pointing out the nose. And I just thank you so much for lending me that pass. No it was problem. like the most insane day of my life. I just did a couple runs down uh, the saddle when I got there because I uh-huh. like I'm scared. I'm looking around going like, I don't know where to go. Yeah, it's nice to have a tour guide your first. Yeah. Squad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was good. That's good. Uh-huh. I I also uh, looked back up from the saddle and I was like, oh, those fingers all or those little shoots look really good. So I just p- popped in the last one. I think it's called Dead Tree or something. Exactly. And I was like, okay, well, here it goes. It, it, because it's early season, it's a real like make or break drop in like you you got to do or die like it's like you're either in or you're not yeah but then as soon as you're on it it's just like nice wide open really like such a beautiful run right under the lifts you know definitely some exposure there when you first drop in you can you got to basically drop in and make a pretty critical turn yeah and get over to the rider's right yes and um, if you don't make that turn there's basically just huge cliffs and trees that you could kind of get swept off yeah it's it's a yeah (laughs) it was a wild one to be riding like by myself and kind of exploring like and and trying to remember what it looked like from the bottom but it was pretty straightforward and Uh it was and it was so much fun i just Mm -hmm. i totally was hooked right away like okay kt22 is like the zone yeah there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of pretty exposed gnarly stuff on kt that's Mm -hmm. it's pretty impressive you can you can get into some pretty wicked situations for just a kind of a classic california tahoe ski resort you wouldn't think that there's that critical of lines, but a lot of people say KT is the single best chairlift in the world. And that's coming from a lot of experienced skiers and snowboarders have been all over the world, Brad. skied all over Europe, BC, Baker, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Whistler, Blackcomb, Baker, it's all oh, insane. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're, I'm talking like single best chairlift. Like, because the access is right there. Yeah. It's 1500 uh, vertical feet. You yeah. go up, there's no traversing. Nothing. It's you're just, just it, like on the line. Yeah, you're like zoop. And yeah, you're so, on the line. Yeah, it goes right up from the parking lot. There's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's no fuss. Just, Plus, a lot of those lines, like you were saying, you got that chairlift just coming up, watching what you're doing. It's like, you know, you feel like a rock star up in there. Yeah, you can, you can see, you can see a lot of what you're riding. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, there's, yeah. there's big cliffs or small cliffs. There's turns to cliffs. There's turn to cliff to turns to cliff. There's, yeah. there's double drops, triple drops. There's wide open pow. There's uh, wind lips, cat tracks. We have we have these runs on KT like when it really when it fills in a little bit more than it is now yeah and it's a good pow day and you have good visibility we have these runs we literally do I'm not joking like eight or ten pretty decent jumps all in one run so you're you're like turns off the wind lip a couple more turns off the hip down off the cat road boom another cat road hip like it's insane and because I've been riding there so long I know I know every little feature yeah and we all know them all the locals know them and you, you just kind of get in these trains where the, you know everyone lines up and you give you everyone you all give yourself some space yeah so you don't yeah. land on each other and you just you know one guy goes off then you and it's it's just fun and it's a i don't know if i've ever seen too many chairlifts where you can catch so much air 
and flow so many turns all in a row on you know on a single chairlift like that. It's it's pretty insane. And I mean, of course, it's California, it's Tahoe, so we we have our share of rain and wet snow, and we have our days when it's not good. You know, every resort does, but when it's good in Tahoe, it's as good as anywhere I've ever been. That's for sure. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be really good by Sunday. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully these snow levels drop and we get some you know four thousand, five thousand foot snow levels and get a you know foot of blower in the parking lot at Squaw. And we'll be it'll be game on at Squaw. Then I'll, <laughs> I'll take you on some of those jump runs. Oh, I would love that. That would be yeah. unbelievable. I I. Yeah, I don't think that I've ever been on a chair that's like that. Like every direction you go, there's fall line. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's, it's funny. I'm I'm 53 now, so the the air wow. the, the airs the airs are getting smaller. The the <laughs> tricks are getting not as good. And it's it's funny. I can bar- I can barely grab my board anymore. I think it's like I'm so unflexible. Like I literally just go down to do an indie now, and it feels like a struggle. So, but Prado always said Nick Prado always said, "Why even grab your board? It's attached to your feet. What's the point?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> so, some people now that really can make non-grab stuff look really, really good. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's that's not me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's I, I still like doing the jump runs. I still like catching the air and riding. It's just uh, you know my body hurts a little bit more, and definitely a lot of pain and uh, suffering after a day of riding for me these days a lot of knee pain and back pain and but i i still i still love it and i still do it and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep riding until i can't yeah is, i i <laughs> made i made the mistake today of buying a, a boreal pass like this morning because it's like 25 dollar <laughs> boreal day right like yeah it's like some sort of you know and it's going to a good cause and and Roach is up there, so I'm like, oh, I got to go. But then when you were like, hey, I got this pass you could use. Do you want to go try and get up into the snow line? I was like, uh, I'm not passing that up for sure. Uh-huh. And then I made plans with Corey to go down and maybe meet him tonight. Uh-huh. And while I was riding, I, I did nine runs. So like on that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth run, I was like, oh, man, my legs. Just at the bottom where it's chundry, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to have legs for tonight, and I don't care because the top stuff was just so good. I think I lucked out. I don't think that this is a normal – I think typically if there was that much snow, there'd be a lot more people there, but it was just like a weird forecast, so people didn't go for it, you know what I mean? And it's early season. It's been raining for a few days, and people are just kind of in their houses – I always seem to nail this the couple of weeks before Christmas, people are just thinking about other stuff. Yeah. I, I, I agree. It's I think the couple of weeks before Christmas, basically the first two weeks of December is always the least crowded at Squaw. And then once yeah. everyone gets all their new skis and snowboards, it becomes kind of a shit show at Squaw. It, the, the lift lines get pretty aggravating. There and, was not ever one person in front of me. Not one uh-huh. time, not one chair. Was there anybody in front of me? Uh-huh. That's classic. You you were gonna ride with Chris Roach up at Boreal today, or yeah, yeah. yeah. He was doing like a demo. He had his kid up there. Uh-huh. I like, wrote I rode with him the day before yesterday at Squats. I love riding with Chris. He was there with, with Devin, and uh, we, um, it's just Roach is so classic. He's he's obviously from the you know the same era that I came from, and he's just got this huge smile on his face when he snowboards, and he's got the passion that he's always had, and. It's it's just great to ride with guys like that that are still totally into it because it seems like a lot of a lot of people definitely dropped off the face of the earth as far as snowboarding once their pro careers were over and they got older. A lot of but injuries too, in- right? Injuries and people just get different. You know, people get into surfing or and I totally understand that. I mean, we all love to surf, so yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah, people do other things, injuries that you know maybe financially they they get strapped and it's just too hard to and expensive to get to the mountains. But um, there's just a certain amount of people that I run across that just always had the passion to ride 
and Chris is one of them. And it's the, those are the fun people to ride with for sure. The people who just love to snowboard for no other reason than just to snowboard. Yeah. Yeah. Why we all started. Definitely went, gives went, me yeah. butterflies to think about riding with that guy. Like the, you know, the impact he had on just like style in snowboarding. Uh, his, it was so funny to see that I was, I was, I was riding behind him a couple of days the day before yesterday. And we, he hit this little jib on the left and I went right, you know, right after him on the jib. And it was like a, literally a two foot air and he traveled like two feet, but he just made it look so sweet. He just, all he did was Ollie, yeah. but it just had classic Chris Roach style. And then I went off it until he dorked off and <laughs> I don't know, maybe it was kind of cool, but it, it, I did a little, little Ollie pop, but it was, you know, it was 20% of the style that's that Roach had, but he, he's just, everything he does is just, it's, he's a style. Yeah. Roach and rank what really, um, had a lot to do with shaping the sport, right? Because there was a period, and I'm interested in your, for your um, take on this, because you eventually became one of the, the gatekeepers of, you know, the progression of the sport through standard films. And, and um, I mean, and you were a really respectable writer. I don't want to discount any of that by <laughs> saying this, but Roach and Rank would really, um, you know, they, they would be very vocal about like wacky style. Cause oh, there, yeah. there was some wacky style coming into the, like the, the, at the tail end of the eighties into the nineties, there was still a lot of like suitcase grabs and yeah. just well, like, there's, there's always wax D's. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's out there, but they were really, um, I think integral in, in creating that nineties kind of, look of snowboarding not just the two of them because there's Hetzel and there's all sorts of skaters that came in Noah's yeah. another one that I but I think those two really took it to heart that they were like one for a good reason it's styles everything it's yeah you can do the most insane trick in the book but you can if it doesn't look that great doing it who cares you can you can watch someone else do a way easier trick and if they just flow it and have style, it's way funner to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's just funner to do, too. You can, every snowboarder knows the feeling. It's when you do something sweet and you nail it and you got style, you feel it. Oh, and yeah. then, and, and it's by the same token, when you do something whack, it just it feels whack. It feels, <laughs> it feels lame. It, you're like, that just sucked. That did not feel good. I, I was trying to just do the little Chris Roach Ollie off that little two foot bump and it just didn't happen. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's a, the, those guys nailed it on the head, man. It's all about style. It's all about just the flow and the the elegance of of good style. And that's, I mean, every sport really. It's it just you can tell, not just snowboarding, but skating, surfing, um, whatever, golf. It's, yeah, it's yeah. All, it's all about style, man. It's it's not really about the technicalness of it. And if you can combine both, and ride everything, then you're kind of the king, right? Totally, totally. Speaking of the king, there was a era in there with Damien where did, like he would win most extreme rider of the year, you know, a year after he'd blown his knee and he hadn't ridden anymore. <laughs> right. Like yeah. there was something about his style, even though he had a 17 inch stance yeah. and, and was riding hard boots, 16 and a quarter, I believe. Was it really? No, his was seven. <laughs> mine was 16 and a quarter. We got down to quarter inches. I remember, <laughs> but I, I don't know if you agree, but I felt like, because I've gone back and watched some of that footage and I'm like, no, there's something about his style that's no. actually undeniable. He's good. No, he was, there was a time, there was a point in snowboard where I felt like he was kind of the best snowboarder. Yes. It was right when I first got on Avalanche Snowboards and I started riding and Damien was already on the team and it was um, Tom Burt, Jim Zellers, Dana Nicholson, 
me and Damien and I would pretty much, we would ride Donner ski ranch every day and I'd follow Damien around on powder days. And it was the same thing I was talking about with Roach. I mean, he just hit this little bump, a little wind lip, whatever. And no matter what feature he hit, he would style it so perfect. It, it was, it was, whether it was a two foot air or 20 foot air, he would just use up the, the amount of air time and just do the perfect trick that fit that hit that he was doing. And it was all, it wasn't pre-planned. We were just free riding down the mountain. It wasn't like, okay, I'm, we're filming three, two, one. I'm going to do a switch seven. It was like just total spur of the moment, you know, whatever backside air, indie backflip 360. It was, he was just riding and flowing and he was, his general thing was he'd always go twice as big as any of us <laughs> and he'd have just perfect style. Yeah. And he, it was insane. Like we would, we would all maybe be doing a booter and we'd be 40 yards above the jump and he'd go 80 yards above and just point it all the way and just, <laughs> just go so huge. <laughs> and yeah, he, he definitely had, he, he was uh, one of the most stylish riders for sure. I remember. And he would always get huge cheers from the, from the chairlift. I remember like riding, he would hit a jump and everyone would cheer and flip out. And he just had kind of like pizzazz and, and, and his, his, yeah. his, his haircut and the day, the day glow <laughs> and just the whole thing, the whole package was just insane. It was, did you start filming or I guess it would have been your brother who was filming like, like all the way back, like Western front days, or was that somebody else that what, was I filming or being filmed? You were being filmed during yeah, that time, was but being, was your yeah. brother filming for those? He was guys? shooting stills. So what okay. happened was like that. Those, those are like my literally my first couple of years of pro snowboarding. Yeah. And I was shooting stills with like trans world, like John Foster and Rad. Guy Motile and the, yeah. like the, the early photographers. And then pretty much Jerry basically, I think, made one of the first snowboard m- movies ever was Western Front. Maybe Dogger was just starting to dabble. Yeah. So I was I was riding, and that's right when Mike kind of started to make that. He started out with stills. He was shooting stills during the Western Front year. Oh, wow. And then I believe it was like the year after that he started dabbling in working with Fall Line and, and shooting uh, it probably wasn't even shooting. Fall Line at that point, was it? Because it was no, like it fusion was, it, films no, it, or something? Well, it was called... It was called uh, what, what it was <laughs> FLF? What, why, why am I tripping? Fault Line Films yeah. is FLF. Yeah, yeah. but what, what, what they, they had to change <laughs> their name because someone else already had it, and it was uh, maybe it was just Fault Line, then they had to change it to FLF. Or oh, I, I see. I, I'm tripping yeah. on the exact history of that. Yeah, 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 I, yeah There yeah. was some there was some debacle with someone already had their name, and they had to change it. I think it was just Fall Line Films, and then they actually then they had to just call it FLF. Oh, I see. Well, well, you, you excuse get, me for my not. Oh, it's my totally fine, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been twenty years. No, it's thirty. Yeah, 30 now. Yeah, oh, damn, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I watched Western Front. Like, I didn't have any kind of musical taste before that. So for a while, I thought, okay, I'm into what was that called? Industrial music or whatever. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm, I'm into this. This is good. Whatever yeah, totally. this is. <laughs> that that movie, pretty much the whole movie was filmed at Squaw. Squaw. Yeah. They basically let snowboarding being allowed on a trial basis in April and snowboarding had never been allowed at any of the, you know, the big resorts and especially not in Squaw or Tahoe. And they said, okay, boys, we're going to let you go on there in April. We're going to give you a couple months to ride at Squaw. And if everything goes good, we're going to allow you all, you know, pure next year, all, all season. And so we went there and shredded Squaw with Damien and Dana and Noah and Roach and the whole, and the, everybody was yeah, in that movie. It, yeah, yeah. It was classic. And we, and we filmed and Jerry and Artie just had this like gigantic, I can't remember what they were filming. This was some archaic, huge <laughs> old like beta cam with a big deck strapped to their backpack. <laughs> Red. And uh, yeah, and it was all just basically like mountain run hits. It was all like little teeny jibs and it was all the little natural. There's, there's a spot up on uh, headwall called, skateboarders gully or skate and 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 there's a whole bunch of cool little wind lips and 
in there. And a lot of that movie was filmed on those little hits and little cornish drops and cat tracks. Yeah, it was so sunny. It was like a sunny kind of slushy yeah, movie. Yeah, it was a sunny, yeah. And, and I mean, what are the airs are like two to four feet off the ground. Oh, no, there was some big stuff in that. <laughs> Damien probably. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> there was, but yeah, that, I'd have to watch the movie again. But I, I remember a majority of it was just filmed at, uh, at Squaw on the hits. And was there, I can't, it's been so long since I've seen that. Is there, is there any backcountry or cliff dropping or anything? No, I don't think so. I think it's all just kind of like, there's a lot of moguls in it actually. <laughs> <laughs> the bumps <laughs> the bumps well, yeah dude, I, 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 avalanche had to make a board named the bumps that's right yep. yeah they only had those two boards i think at yep. that point i got the i got this kick 175 yeah the, the uh i think the tight stances made the bump riding pretty fun <laughs> yeah, yeah probably right yeah, yeah, that was. I always thought that of that as like Dana's board or something. Dana would always ride, ride yeah, the bumps. Yeah, the bumps and the the one seventy five. That's funny. Yeah, the boards were huge back then too, just like massive. I was yeah. talking with I forget maybe Aaron or maybe UC about how huge stuff was in the early nineties, like cliff dropping. Oh yeah. See when I'm talking about like fall line stuff, that's not your, you, you wouldn't watch that over and over again. Cause you, well, you were in it, Yeah, but, um, that would be the competing guys, right? Well, yeah, but at some point, it, well, after the year after that, when we did fusion films, which then became standard, but, uh, yeah, I think I watched it a few times. So well, I, I'm, I'm thinking of that Damien Sanders, Steve Graham, cliff drop wherever the hell that is yeah that's up on i-80 i mean sorry sorry that's up at uh asi right at donner yeah hero rock it's insane how big that is yeah it's huge and graham stomps it yeah it goes it's probably anywhere from like 30 to 50 depending on how much snow is filled in and how big you go how much speed you take it with so according to damien on that on that shoot right there at the top he he said to grammy what are you gonna do and and steve was like straight air obviously what are you gonna do and he's like i'm gonna flip it and then steve was like oh please don't i don't want to be here when you die or whatever (laughs) and so he like just didn't but he always wished that he would have flipped it because he he biffed it anyways yeah he would have yeah i think i know the shot you're talking of and i think when when he went off it it was really big it was massive i mean that could have even been like a 60 or 70 i'll have to look again but it's Generally speaking, it's about a forty-ish foot yeah. cliff when yeah. it's on normal conditions. But right. like I said, you take it with a little bit of extra speed, or it's a lower snow year. It's, who knows how far you're going to go? And on. then how was Parada in those years? Because I felt like he was just stomping everything. He was really good at nailing flat cliff drops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he had yeah. really good style. He, had, he was such a good, good style. He was kind of yeah. one of the fierce guys with the kind of skatey snowboard style. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, he was really, really good at landing flat cliffs. Totally. <laughs> that was kind of his thing. Yeah, he just stomped them up. Yeah, definitely. Or everybody else was kind of, you know, arm dragging. Yeah, or flapping and sitting. And... Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, the Fusion year is, what What movie is Fusion? That's Totally Bored. That was Totally Bored. Told. Yes. And the animation and everything. I've watched that in the last year or so and it holds up. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a classic. There's something about those old movies like nowadays with the drones and the GoPros and everyone's just triple cork this, that. It's like there's, it's a little bit more diluted with it. There's, there's just so many good riders and the, and the, the cinematography equipment is so good. It's not surprising is what it yeah, is. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And that's that a, that's drone shot's at that weird angle where it kind of makes everything look the same. Yeah. No matter a, what the person's doing. Yeah, no I, offense to anyone that shoots with drones. <laughs> Obviously, it's amazing footage too, but it's it's just not close enough to the ground. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you'd never shoot overhead of somebody doing an air. Yeah, there's there's definitely something about those old movies, the, the original, some of the early standard movies and 
whatever FLF. And you think about some of the ski movies, like stunt movies and blizzard of Oz. And yeah. there's just, those things are just timeless classics that kind of, we all as snowboarders and skiers watched and kind of evolved into. And yeah, obviously nowadays, most of the stuff is way more insane. The airs are bigger. The tricks are harder. The riders are better. There's more, there's more good riders. The cinematography equipment's way better, but it's just kind of like watered down and diluted. And it, I don't know, there's, there's maybe not as much heart in it, or even if you pull a really good edit, cause that's, it's kind of, that's the only way you really set yourself apart nowadays is tell a great story or having a really incredible edit that's just kind of keeps the the viewer captivated. Yeah, would you ever have guessed there'd be like two or three crews again? Like it was for a while there, it was hundreds. It was like every local scene had two or three guys that were filming all their buddies and then grabbing a couple of the local heroes and getting them in a movie. Like there there had to be a point where there were a hundred movies in a year. Yeah, definitely. Well, then rewind back to like Warren Miller, his first ski movies, he would just go to a ski resort and film like the ski instructors. Here we are at Arapahoe Basin. We got the, you know, and they'd, they'd go fill the ski, get the, the ski instructors or whatever. And that was his seggy. And it was, it was more like travel oriented. It was more about, we went here, we went with there and how, how it was more about profiling, how good the snow was, right. how beautiful the mountains were versus just a snowboard porn of. Well, probably know. what was going on there too, which makes sense is that he would call the mountains and say, I'm going to do my movie at your mountain. Do you want to give me some lift tickets <laughs> and accommodations and some meals at your best restaurants? And, yeah, and which he, makes sense. yeah. And he was doing that as opposed to like by your era, you're getting travel budget and you're getting, you know what I mean? So now it's like, you're going to try and get that board in the air so that <laughs> the base shot is there. It's not so much about, the travel as it is about the athletes, right? Like exactly. That's and, and exactly what in, happens in his first movies. I mean, there probably were no pro skiers other than maybe ski racers and right in Olympic skiers, but there, there wasn't people getting paid to free ski and be in movies and magazines that, that, that hadn't even came around yet. Was the first kind of era of that Glenn Plake and Scott Schmidt? I would say for skiing. That's the, that's the first that I kind of remember that caught my attention as yeah. a kid. Like I've never skied, not ever. Like, I think I tried one run and then I had to carry them down and slide down in the boots. <laughs> like I just never did, but I was fascinated with Plake and Schmidt and the way that they rode a mountain looked like fun. Everything else in those movies was like ski ballet and like competitive <laughs> gate bashing and like weird compared to like, Oh man, these guys are just like free riding around catching huge airs. Yeah. Those guys are pretty instrumental in putting free skiing and free riding on the map. I mean, they yeah. were kind of the forefathers of it really. I remember Plague strapped on a snowboard in one of those movies too. And I was like, okay, he can just do whatever the hell he wants. That guy's a nut. Yeah. One of those guys just yeah. good at everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Palmer just. Yeah. Holy jeez. Palmer. I'll just be a pro mountain biker for a while. Oh, so I think I talked to you on the first year I had the show uh-huh. I, and I called you from Grouse Mountain. I was riding and I just uh-huh. like tucked away in a little cove oh, wow. and, and sat there like <laughs> overlooking the city. And, and yes. it was, it was such an amazing conversation. Um, the fact that you were one of the only guys to do, to film for both like mega crews in the first years of like those big snowboard, snowboard only movies, I, and I went back and I, I, it's funny. I didn't give you the credit that you were due because I just, it, I was such a Damien guy. Like it, uh-huh. if you weren't doing backflips, I it just didn't get on my no, radar. I, I, I hear you. I was, but, I, but I've since gone through and I saw that you've got pictures of it here. The Mendenhall Towers. Uh-huh. 
Oh, jeez, dude. Like, that's just all time. Yeah, that was pretty pretty fun, pretty uh, intense. I was talking with Sedway about um, those Alaska years. Because I kind of got the impression from some people that it was sort of just like a free-for-all. You know, you weren't even riding with packs. And it was like, you know, you could just go anywhere. But Aaron put it into perspective. It, everybody was being safe. But it was such a new frontier. Like, you guys were allowed to stay out super late you know whereas everybody's got to come in early now yeah i think it was it was more loose with the guides and the helis the way that was the way they ran their operations Mm -hmm. but we were we all had you know beacons and shovels and probes and we were trained and we were we were ready to to save ourselves if if it happened hopefully we were you know we would would have pulled off a rescue but we were we were ready yeah we had the equipment to do it It wasn't like we weren't out there with beacons and just (laughs) right right just riding like crazy yeah we know we were prepared right you know thank god nothing ever happened but uh yeah um which is which is incredible it's a testament to how professional you guys were out there that's good that and also too i think the snowpacks of alaska it's just a really dependable snowpack that coastal snow that we get in in whistler and baker and tahoe and alaska is just so much safer than the continental mountains and you can kind of get away with get away with murder up there it's yeah it's unbelievable what you can ride and have it not you know not slide on you yeah and aaron was saying that uh the forestry agency up there has has cracked down and been like yeah you guys can't go in there like whereas before you guys were just like what about this zone and they're like let's go you yeah. know like now it's on their radar and yeah everyone's yeah. got to keep each other safe yeah he was saying super spines was somewhere that is probably lost to antiquity like there it's now in a protected forest zone and oh, that's a bummer yeah no <laughs> yeah. nobody else gets to ride it that's that's sad but it's still i mean it's kind of cool too actually in a way that it's sort of frozen in time yeah. that it's not getting you know somebody's not doing a quad cork down it <laughs> <laughs> quad cork down the super spines I'm not sure how that would work but it could be pretty sweet <laughs> um how often do you ride now you've got you've got passes at, at all the best mountains here yeah i ride when it's i ride it every day if it's good if it's pow i pretty much just climb and i climb all summer my brother and i mike do a lot of rock climbing so i'm pretty much climbing all summer and then i try and sprinkle in a couple surf trips if i can like central america or baja and then once winter hits i'm pretty much chilling in tahoe and i'm riding Every day it's good. And I'm not like the hardcore guy where I'm going to be out there four or five days a week, regardless of if it's raining, raining or icy. I'm not going to go ride the park. I'm not going to go hurt myself on a, on a jib or (laughs) railing or a metal rail or something. Just that those days are way long gone. Not that I ever really did rails anyways, but, um, it's, it's all, it's all about pow. And do you still have lines that you want to bag? Like Mm. where you're thinking like, Oh, if this fills in, I'm going to do this. I I occasionally do lines that I used to do. Like some of the hairier lines I actually did. There's this thing up in Sunken Meadow that I did last year that I hadn't. It was a, there was a shot of me like in TB6 doing it. It's a pretty cool line. It's it's a big face down to a pretty nice drop at the end. And it's it's semi high consequence if the thing slides or if, whatever. And I did I did that last year and uh, it was cool. To, that was probably the hardest line I had done in quite a while. Red. So, but I'm definitely not looking to do anything hairier than I ever did. That's for sure. Right. And I, it, 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 I'm rarely even doing this stuff that I did before. It's more like cruising, just turns and little errors and everything is just smaller and easier. I still like to ride fast. I can, I feel like I can ride the pow and the chop as good as I ever could. Right. As far as just like charging KT on a powder day and just bombing down West faces, bouncing through the bouncing through the crud and the, and the chop and the pow and 
I, I feel like my technique and my, I, I'm as good as that as I ever was for sure, but definitely not looking to get busy on any kind of gnarly <laughs> cliff lines or th- those, that, that ship has sailed. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. You look when you're young, when you're 20 and 30, I'm going to do it forever and I'll never stop. And then you get older and you, I would, I would even, I remember even riding with older guys when I was like 30 and that guy's a pussy. What's his deal? <laughs> and, you know, I'm not really considering his age and he's, that guy used to launch 60 foot cliffs. What's his problem now? He's just making, you know, we're riding together and he's over on the side making some cash turns and I'm yeah. thinking you wimp. And that, now that I'm that old, I now, now I'm like, okay, now I get it. Been there, done that. I survived. Like, how many times do I want to keep taking that risk? You have kids. You, right. You just, it becomes more like fun becomes the bottom line versus like trying to like always one up and do something super hairball. Right. Or, a really good day counts for so much now. Exactly. It's so funny how it erases if you have a really good day, like, or even a crappy day. Then it's your only, your day is only as good as that one day, right? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's all, yeah. I, I ride all the time. I love riding pow. I just definitely don't do the, the gnarly lines like I used to. And I, I was, you know, really obsessed in my late teens and early twenties back TB two, three, four, when I was filming those parts, yeah, I, I just lived for it. I would, I would look at a mountain. I would look in lines. I would look at these rock faces and I just, I was so obsessed with just trying to find a way like a technical fast way down a gnarly line. It was maybe not the gnarliest non, like not gnarly Billy Goading, but a little bit just, just this side of Billy Goading, but something that I could flow and go fast. And I feel like that was kind of what I was more my, my style when I was into was just like hard lines that weren't super, you know, exposed. And, um, and I, yeah, there was a point in my life where that's all I wanted to do. And that's kind of really what I made my career around and all the, all, yeah. my, all my shots and the movies and the mags, it was all, you know, technical rad lines. And I, I felt like I got, you know, pretty good at it. But now, nowadays, yeah, it's it's just more like pow and cruising. And I ride Homewood a lot. I live in I live in Homewood, and there's this cool small ski resort right in my backyard. I can walk right to the chair. Yeah, it's right there. And uh, it's 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 right at lake level, so it's kind of rare that we we have to have good cold storms. And it's rare to get the good snow. But it's we, steep enough. It's yeah. When we when we get good cold storms and it's not too deep, if you get like waist deep pow, it's no good because it's too de- it's not steep enough to handle the deeper snow. Yeah. But if you get like eight, 10 inches a foot of like white, of like light, you know, blower pow, then it's really good. Yeah. yeah so I just ride, I ride there a lot cause it's close to my house and it's a, it's not as competitive and as crowded as squad. There's no traffic. There's not a big lift lines. It's right. And it's just, you know, I rode there with Downing last year and his kids and Shannon and we had a blast and Sick. I have, you know, Rylan Bell, who's I ride with a lot now, who is just a really great accomplished uh, snowboarder who's been in a lot of Jeremy's movies and he's just an insane charger and he's a really good freestyle rider too. And I made, I made him a believer over here home a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, I've, I've, uh, I've got to have some, you know, some fun sessions with some of the boys over here and, uh, I ride there with my kids a lot and it's just, yeah, it's great. It's just a cool, fun cruising mountain. And rumor has it Kidwell used to go there a lot, but I, I never see them. I never see him anymore. I, I try and hook up with him, but he's just, I never see him there. So I don't know. Well, he's got a pro model again. Does he? smoking this year. Well, maybe that'll motivate him. Yeah. To come ride with Davey Boy at Homewood. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, Homewood's like, that's Kidwell's old stomping grounds. And, oh, that's sick. Yeah, uh, Kimmel and Kidwell and those guys. Yeah, I should talk to Kimmel and yeah. Lori Gibbs too. Yeah, they're around. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you mentioned Dave and Shannon. They say hi. Oh, right on. Cool. Yeah. When I was at their place, I was saying that I was going to link up with you. And they're like, oh, tell them we said, hey. Right. Yeah. yeah. They, they're great. He's a uh, Dave's super fun to ride with. And his kids were charging pretty hard. 
Yeah. His, we were uh, we were charging down some power runs at Homewood last year, and I just turned around, and they were just right on my ass. Oh, they, that's epic. They were charging, yeah, riding fast and riding good. Yeah, the, we were talking with the kids about the um, the high school surf team and how that format really like has made it super like spectator friendly and also really like competitive in a really fun way so i don't know if you know this but they it used to just be head-to-head heats all the time right like uh-huh. so you'd send your one guy against the other guy but now you send out your three you pick your three guys to go against the other school's three guys and the the combo of the three has to beat out the other school so it's like it's a cumulative thing that's cool that's and awesome. it's as it turns out really rad for spectating right because you're like watching and mm-hmm. if there's like a superstar on your team plus your kids are out there too or your kid's a superstar it's just like fun to watch yeah it's probably funner as a competitor too i'd imagine cause yeah it's like a little more of a team vibe i want to bring that to snowboarding i mean not myself personally because i don't have anything to do with it but i'd like to encourage anyone who does like having like a team vibe like three people riding you know what i mean like yeah. in a in a heat format where like okay there's six people on course two two teams three guys each and the cumulative points that they score moves them on to the next round that would be it would just no. be a fun contest to watch no it's cool instead of the one guy coming down and kind of picking a line here and there and not hitting all the features you could have six people on the mountain that you're just whoa 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 yeah. that yeah. that reminds me we did a way back in the day this was probably like it must have been 88 or something. We did a demo at Brighton out in Utah. And it was kind of like that, but it wasn't a contest, but it was a demo. Right. And so all these people came just to kind of spectate and watch snowboarding. Yeah. And it was the Avalanche team. It was the GNU team. Rad. It was all these teams. And we so we would all go out. They built a big kicker right down at the bottom of the mountain. And we would all go off in succession. So like on the Avalanche team, it was, uh, yeah, I can't remember who went first, but it was like, Tom Burr, then Zellers, then me, then Dana, and then Damien would always go last, and, and he yeah. would just do a huge backflip. So we'd go yeah. off, we you know we do grasser, Andy, boom, tail grab, and then Damien would come on and then to just throw this huge backflip, and the whole That's crowd so would sick. erupt and yeah. and cheer. And then the GNU team would come out, and they would do like Jeff Davis and all the, you know they, these guys were all doing slob and lean airs and like different different kind of grabs than we were doing, and. Uh, so it was it was cool. It was like it was like that kind of a format, but you got to kind of watch like the different styles and the different uh, you know riders. And the announcer was kind of right right on par with it, kind of announcing everything. That's so and, sick. And it was a yeah, it was cool. And I trying to remember some of the other teams were there, but it was like Salty Peaks and GNU and Avalanche. Now I'm desperate to remember who else was there. Yeah, but, yeah, that's, but it was that yeah. sounds so rad. Yeah, it was it was good. So yeah, that was a yeah definitely a a bit of the format you're talking about, but more from like a little blast from the past. And I can't really remember much about it. I'll just do remember that Dennis Nazari, you know, that guy's, you know, that guy's name. He's like an old salty peaks, uh, um, uh, Utah rider. Rad. I just remember he went off the jump. It was gnarly. He went off the jump and he spun out and he like slid head first, like 50 yards down the hill and went head first into one of the ski, the, the lift poles. Oh my God. And it was gnarly. And he got a concussion. And I remember Chris Sanders ran over there. Damien's brother, who's yeah. the owner of, of, uh, of avalanche snowboards, you know, ran over there and it was, it was gnarly. It was like this, he like, he like ate, you know, ate crap right at the bottom of this, you know, during this demo. And I think he was okay. I think it was just ended up being a mild concussion as I remember, but yeah. Um, that's nasty. Yeah, that was the that was the only highlight I can really remember. That and do you do you remember anything about like like the pr- the previous generation like Dmitry Milovich and like Tom and and Tom Sims yeah and and Jake like was did had that happened 
at that like moment where you become a pro rider and like you could go back and look at like the Terry Kidwell years and that kind of thing. I, I mean, I have, I have a little slight memories of riding with Terry, you know, the very first years. And I wrote, I got to ride with Tom Sims one time ever. Oh wow. So that, yeah, we were up at slide mountain and I'd literally just gotten my first snowboard. I want to say it was 1983. Oh, geez. And, and my, my friend Alistair and I, we split the cost on this little, it was a Sims 1500 FE and slide was allowing snowboard at that time slide rope and Mount Rose. And we went up there and sure enough, Tom Sims was there with Palmer. No way. And, and I was, and I was just tripping cause I was, and I barely knew anything about snowboarding, much less pro snowboarding. And, but I knew that I knew who they were. And Palmer at that time would have been like uh, a child. Yeah. He was like, I want to say he was 15, sure, 14 sure. mini shred. He was in, in, I'll never forget. I was at the top and I was kind of struggling to get my bindings on. It was the fast X buckles that you kind of clipped over the top. Yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Tom Sims came up and let me show you. And he like, he said, how many, and I remember he asked me, so how, how much have you ridden or have you snowboarded before? Like that was his first question. Almost kind of like sternly asked me. And I was like, yeah. well, this is like maybe my third day snowboarding. <laughs> <laughs> and it was my first day on a resort and I could barely get my bindings on, but it was and cool. And Tom Sims is helping you clip yeah, up your, yeah, b- and, oh yeah, my and, and here, and, and Tom takes the time to go over there and he shows me how to get into my bind and he's you know i get strapped in and then we ended up kind of following around that day following him and sean around and it was cool it was a that's that's the only thing i can really remember about those days and i i remember riding with kidwell a little bit back in donner ski ranch but yeah that was really my only i I never got to ride or hang with jake unfortunately he was because he was on the east coast and yeah so it was kind of happening but you rode for burton for a while i rode for burton forever and jake he he was so supportive i mean he I, i can't i mean he just he was so great what he did for me. He literally for seven years of my life, I got to travel the world and snowboard wherever I wanted for free. I mean, whatever. I mean, I did my job. I did what I was under contract, but yeah, it was, he paid me to go snowboarding and gave me all (laughs) the free stuff I wanted for seven years of my life. So I definitely am not complaining. And yeah, he was, uh, Jake was, is he was so influential and so supportive of snowboarding. That's what blew me away is like everything he did was so, he gave back so much to snowboarding. So cool to hear from a West Coaster because yeah. Tom had such a lockdown on this side of the country, yeah. right? Yeah, it was like East versus West. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. And I don't. I, I've always wondered why. I don't know why Burton became so successful, just as as far as the, like the company it is versus why Sims never really did. Like maybe you can, maybe you. I mean, I I, I, I think I, there was a moment where Tom was in the lead. The fifteen hundred uh, FE was up, or the fifteen hundred was was five four or five years ahead of everything that came you know what i mean like 1988 then the the craig kelly or the mystery air really pushed it in the other direction yeah but i i just don't think tom or um you know like there was a bunch of people like um chuck barfoot oh yeah chuck (laughs) right i just don't think that tom had the team and the and the back end together uh-huh. as well as as jake did i think yeah, i made J- the business savvy too yeah like, i think yeah. jake was just maybe a little more business wise and maybe had better investing and he and in the years there was only a couple of years in there where it was make or break uh-huh burton expanded the line in the proper way right like all yeah. of a sudden there was kids boards in a couple of sizes there was you know like three sizes of each of the styles of boards and they and they and they they put together like a package, like their catalog was like, Oh, it's uh-huh. proper, like a proper catalog yeah. with all the right SKUs. And then Tom, Tom's 
company maybe changed hands or something. Yeah, they were, it seems like they were always struggling financially. Like the yeah. product was pretty yeah. solid. And they, I mean, they had Noah and they had the riders, but they it just always seemed like they were just a little bit behind as far as the 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 product and the and the t- just everything the whole package and then just and then Burton just erupted and uh, yeah I think that I think that Tom liked to snowboard more than he liked to do the business <laughs> stuff yeah and I think it, he this is what I've heard I've heard that he Sims skateboards got beat out by Vision you know what I mean like yeah. Vision was that first really big skateboard company that just kind of like ate up everybody else and Tom was crazy about not getting beaten by vision again. Yeah. And so he went and he's like, if you can't beat them, join them. And he, he like licensed the name to vision, right? Like remember the Craig yeah. Kelly and the vision streetwear days and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think that that actually did him in as opposed to help them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because, um, you know, the owner of vision just, he could care less about snowboarding. And Tom got his first big check and he went back to Santa Barbara and went gardening and went surfing and just sort of like got too much money too quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. As, as opposed to like being in there designing the boards. He, from what I've heard, he would come down and just have like drawings of wacky boards and be like, <laughs> we're going to make this. And the rest of the Sims crew would be like, bro, <laughs> the, the time for designing boards was like four months ago. Like we're already going into pre-production. We've got our samples. We have to go to the trade show. Like, uh-huh. and he'd be like, okay, whatever, you know, that's what I think. No, I agree. It's probably just a, in general. I didn't know him that well. Right. I, after right. those early slide days, I, I got the pleasure to hang with him here and there. And, but I think, yeah, yeah I think on the Hill as an ambassador yeah. of snowboarding and like the, you know, the 007 stunt double stuff, yeah. like, he was poised to be number one, a hundred percent. Yeah. If he would have maybe, and it wasn't even him. I think his company kind of was like, there were a lot of people that were high up at Sims that were like, uh, this isn't really our company. Why don't we start Moro or why don't we go somewhere mm-hmm. else and start something that's us? And, uh, and I think that's ex- exactly what happened. Yeah. That's no, that's legit. And, mm-hmm. I think it's all good. I mean, whatever, everything happens for a reason. They yeah, say, yeah, I yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I don't really know what that statement <laughs> yeah, even means, yeah. but yeah, J- you know, Jake, he, he put so much back into it. It's, it's all Burton it's, stayed the course. Yeah, Burton was consistent every yeah, year. They, they, whatever, yeah. what, they, it all, it's, it's all good now. Yeah, like he's, yeah, yeah. he's, I mean, look what's happened. They, they were so supportive of the film, the filmers and the writers and just everything that ever happened in snowboarding. Yeah. They were, they were right there supporting it. And I, you got to really realize, I mean, it's it, snowboarding is where it's at today. A lot It has to do with Burton and their writers and their support of the film industry and their support of the magazines and everything it was, and the athletes, right? Like yeah, athletes. I was, I was I mean, just look at the Burton team and look how many crazy oh. riders have came out of. The oh Burton. yeah, I mean, you just rewind to the very beginning until now. It's just insane. Like, yeah, their, their, their resume of riders is off the charts. Yeah, people would go on the Burton team and then you know headline some other team, whereas on the Burton team they were just one of a yeah. dozen people at that level. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, it's yeah, even right from the beginning, like when mm-hmm. rides started, they bought brushy, according to somebody said like a million dollar contract uh-huh. like the first million dollar contract for a for a snowboarder probably over five years or something like that but still yeah like that was a burton rider he was an the a-lister of that burton team right yeah definitely yeah it's crazy hmm. yeah I, yeah i was a burton guy back around the craig kelly era and then 
I started working for a shop in 1993 that didn't carry Burton, so I became a any other brand kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like a, the a- underdog. Anything but Burton, like. <laughs> well, we weren't allowed really to ride Burton. Not that we weren't allowed; it was just bad form, right? Like because we don't sell it. We had to we had to develop a selling against Burton protocol which people would come in and five out of six people would say do you have burton and at first we were just saying no go across the street or whatever and then the boss was like what are you doing like ask them another couple of questions like what burton do you want you know and they'd be like oh well my buddy just said yeah but maybe you should check out this lib tech yeah exactly (laughs) and then you'd put them on something and then they'd get home and their friends would be like whoa what a cool board or whatever right Mm. and and the rest is you know, it wasn't hard to sell against Burton because they, they, they had this huge line that, and that's what I would say. I would say, look, Burton makes low end boards, mid end boards, high end boards. Like we've got lots of great stuff here. That's comparable or better to like, you know, depending on what you want, you know, it's kind of apples and oranges nowadays. It's yeah. Apple versus PC. It's yeah. Yeah. All, all the hard goods. They're all, they all seem like there's a lot of good snowboards yeah, out there. Yeah, what board like, do you ride right now? Um, I'm riding the. I, I still ride the custom a lot. I ride the, but I'm riding shorter boards. I yeah. Back in the day, I was kind of like in the when I was filming a lot, I was riding 62s and 64s. Yeah. And I've really gotten more into like 58s now, 59s. Yeah. And so I ride the like the ride the custom 58 a lot, which is still kind of a popsicle stick yeah. compared to like there's a lot of like powdery shapes. Well, out I there have now. some of those boards too, but I like I like the. I like the custom for just kind of jibbing around. I like I like to do a lot of butters and flat ground and little jibs and wall rides. So, I'm mean, you know, like I said, I'm not going big anymore, but I do like to kind of play with the mountain. And when I see a feature, I can't but I can't help but hit it. Yeah. So I feel like the custom is really good on the jibs and the buttering and stuff. Oh yeah, totally. And then the deeper powder days, I've been riding the hometown hero a lot. Which, so, which board is it's that? A, it's just a it's just one of Burton's the kind of powder boards yeah. and uh, taper. It's and it's um it's a camber board, but it's it's uh it's just more and more the more powdery shapes like you're talking about. It's got yeah. a little more pizzazz to the shape and long nose. Downing could break taper. down the whole like <laughs> I just strap the thing to my feet and ride. I don't know. Yeah, that crap. you just like point in a catalog. Yeah. Like I want that reverse one. rock or whatever. Blah, yeah, blah, yeah, 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 yeah. Magna tracks. I, mean, just, I don't even. That's that's just yeah. Clicks and whistles to me. I just if it feels good to me, I ride it. I really don't know that much about the the. the that's heart. amazing. Yeah, I don't know that much about board design. I mean, yeah, honestly, my, my just, kid is working at the shop where I, I, I grew up working, right? Uh-huh. He's 16, and, I've, and I worked with him a couple of days, like during like the turkey sale or whatever, and hearing him talk about mustache camber and stuff like yeah. that, I'm just like, oh, dude. Because he's an intermediate-level rider, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, he's really good compared to, like, kids his age and all that stuff. Uh-huh. But he said something to me about, you know, Oh, does this board have mustache camber? I'm like, you don't care, dude. Just yeah. ride it. Like, get, strap your feet in it. You're gonna, you can, you can ride anything. You yeah, know what I mean, and a lot, a lot of that stuff is just shelf appeal. And, shelf and, appeal. And it's, yeah. I, I just feel like it's funny because they they start to design all these new boards and these all these different things. And a lot of times, I just go back to a standard custom camber board. I'm yeah. like, you know what? Yeah. This board feels the best or better than anything of all these fancy boards of totally. you guys are riding. It doesn't have the cool little look to it and the shape. And, you know, surfing obviously has gone through the same thing, too, with all the retro shapes. And, and then the squash yeah, tails. Now, and now everything's everything, yeah, yeah, everything's kind of like short and, yeah, short and wide now and more volume. And yeah. it's, it's crazy how surfboard shapes have changed. But you see a lot of the retro, like the Mark Richards twin fin. They've, they've, you know, I see a lot of guys surfing those now. Dope. And it's like there's all these, like, 
you know, ret- retro is, is in now. Yeah, yeah. I was going to, and I've said it, I'm going to take my new, because like all these, all these new boards for powder look like boards from like the 1500 FE. Yeah, like it's like pointy, yeah. and then it's got a swallow swallowtail. Tail, yeah. And I, I was telling Robin, he, the guy who makes the boards that I ride, I'm going to cut that board down so it's like a 145 twin, you know, with little tiny kicks like the old days. Like if yeah. we're going nostalgic, let's go full nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Don't you dare cut that $800 custom board down." Into yeah, the, the, like I said, they're just doing it for <laughs> shelf appeal. I mean, you can't read. They're not going to reinvent the wheel. I got to be honest with you. I started riding those pow shapes. So like it's like a swallowtail with a big scoop and a lot of taper uh-huh. about two years ago. And it rides completely different in powder. Like what a mm-hmm. machine. Like it's just so much fun to turn on. It's really surfy, really yeah, fun. No, I hear you. Can't That's, bury the nose. Yeah, no, that the, yeah. the hometown hero has that feel too. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of the same concept. Yeah. But what, but again, like for me, the downside of that, those boards is the jibbing and oh, the buttering. Yeah. And like you, it just doesn't have that. So when you're asking me what kind of board I ride, yeah, I do ride those boards on totally deep blizzard days when I just yeah. when I wake up and there's two feet on my deck and it's blower pow and I know I'm just going to be wallowing in pow all day. Yeah, that's my board. I'm going to. And ride. then you don't come home with a sore leg. That's the yeah. main thing. But but on a, every other day I'm just on the custom <laughs> because I just I just wanted I just want to jib and play with the mountain and I want to hit the features and I just I like the way the custom feels on those on that type of riding. That's rad that you're in your 50s and you're riding a custom, which is like essentially. A, a, I don't want to say generic because that's not the right word, but like a perfect freestyle board. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah, and it's and it's great for all around. And like I said, too, the shorter boards, I just like the response of the. It makes me wonder, like, why did I ever ride those big boards? It, it was probably just because I wanted to land bigger cliffs. Yeah, and it does help. For oh, that. big time, right? But I just find the shorter boards, fifty six, fifty eight, for my body size and my body height way more responsive and quick turning more fun right yeah, it's just more fun yeah. like i'm just less tired at the end of the day and i feel sorry like i see people on 64s and 68s i'm kind of like dude what are you thinking just bro pushing that around oh, no. it's, it's the same thing every time i'm 180 pounds i'm 6'4 i'm like dude I, that doesn't matter like okay you're a little bit bigger and heavier than me but try 160 like just go go a little bit down but you're i'm telling you that board's a tank bro like try a short board one of be the some- best powder days i ever had was a heli day with uh with these guys from natural concept i was riding a 159 twin just set all the way into the back uh-huh. like just you take any board and push it all the way to the back like i would just put yeah. my back disc would be two holes only all the way to the back just like tightened up and it rode like a dream that was just it. it's a tiny little board right. i mean for for like you know, waist deep BC powder, but yeah, you don't, it was yeah. epic. You don't, yeah, I don't, I think big boards are overrated. You don't really need a big board to float in the powder. I think that's, yeah. It's yeah. More, it's more about just technique and, and, and snow conditions. It's, yeah. If it's, if it's super deep, like basically farmer always said it, it could never get too deep. Well, it, uh, sorry, Sean, but it does get too deep Yeah. to be perfect. Yeah. And then, <laughs> that's another thing. Like today, my brother Mike and I nowadays, we're like the total powder connoisseurs. And we have our, we have our, you know, our grading system, which obviously goes from A plus to A to B. And, yeah. and we've, you know, I'm, I'm into the A and the A plus days and we all are. And it's all about that perfect consistency 
where it's light, it's fast, you're staying on top of the snow versus sinking in it. It's maybe like boot deep and you're just hauling ass and you're just bunnying around and every every little lump that you hit and everything, you just blow through it and nothing phases you. And you have those days when you snowboard on days like that where you just don't even drag a hand all day. You're just total hero snow as they call it, right? Yeah. And then then everything it just starts going down from there. Then you've got like, okay, it's a little bit wet. It's a little bit, I can't see. Like the visibility is a huge factor. It's too deep. And then when it starts to get to like knee to waist deep, it's almost like a different style of ride. And you're just like wallowing and you're just, you're, you're just sifting and trying to keep the nose out and leaning back versus just going twice as fast and bunnying and just, you know, hauling ass. It's, yeah. it's such a different style of riding. And it's funny because I, I think, you know, now that Mike and I are older, like I said, I'm 53, I'm this connoisseur and I have this grading <laughs> system and it, and I, we, you know, I want a plus conditions. I want a conditions and I go out there and I ride these days that aren't as good. And I see people in the chair. It's so sick today, bro. I dumped two feet. And I'm thinking it's kind of wet. You can't see it's flat light. There's like, I'm just sifting. I'm like, I can't like the snow setting up. It's like a little bit too heavy. And I don't know. I'm just calling me grumpy, but I just, I just know what like good conditions are. And it's not, you know, staying on top, going fast and light snow blows doors on snow that's too deep and too wet. And it's just, you know, and, and then the same goes for just the number of people that are at the resort, right? Like yeah. an early morning session where you got there, you didn't miss it. You didn't stop for coffee. <laughs> Nobody in your group was yeah. like, Oh wait, I forgot my gloves or some weird thing that puts you five minutes off the mark. Cause five to 10 minutes is the difference between like hitting it and blowing it. Yeah. For freshies for yeah. sure. Yeah. To me, one thing I've learned after riding, and this is, this doesn't count for backcountry, but this is just resort riding because it takes a lot more. It takes more for the stars to align, in my opinion, to make a good resort day than a good backcountry day. Sure. Because backcountry snow is typically just better. It's untracked. Yeah. Whatever. And it's just, it's, it doesn't take as good of conditions, wind and snow and all that stuff wise. But the more the snow gets tracked at a resort, if it still stays rippable, if it's still, if you can lean into a turn and not hit bottom and it's still soft enough just to really rail into your turns and just flow and never get bucked around, that's your A plus day, right? It's like, it's just that right consistency. But when the snow, one thing that will really tip that scale the wrong direction is the heavier snow. And it's, it's like quick drying cement. Like once you start putting tracks in it, you go down third or fourth run and it's all chewed up. And it's just bunk because you're just, it's all too heavy. It was fun on the first run because it was all on track and you just kind of floated through it. Yeah. But now that's all crud and it's chewed up, it's hard because it's yeah. like, it's like quick drying cement. It's kind of sticky and that gooey. That was today. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's like back to my grading system. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. that, it's the, if, because let's face it. I mean, the mountain gets mutilated in an hour now. Yeah. I mean, Whistler, take your pick. I mean, it's, it's just. Baker. Yeah. There's just so much. hour. Yeah. There's so many riders and there's so many good riders. It's not just the main runs that are getting tracked. It's like the lines are getting tracked. Like the gnarly stuff's getting tracked. Totally. So you got to kind of really, gr- you got to like enjoy skiing or snowboarding chewed up snow and choppy snow and i do and i it's funny people are gonna laugh <laughs> but i almost like track snow better than track snow now don't get me wrong like i'm like in a backcountry situation yeah fluffy perfect powder you see a sick line and you rail it yeah that, that that's yeah. the ultimate okay but to me untracked snow you're gonna laugh it's just it's almost like too easy sometimes whereas like I find that like the track snow 
if it's just the right conditions, it, 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 this is resort riding. We're not, I'm not yeah. talking heli yeah. boarding Alaska. Yeah. yeah. It's just a little bit more challenging and it's more fun because you're getting kind of bucked around. You're having to like find transitions and bunny and like, it's just way more, it's just more action packed. And again, that's like, incredible. Yeah. Like I'm probably the only person in the world that's ever going to say I, that. I agree <laughs> with you there. But I, I think that some snowboarders are going to uh, kind of get, at least understand where I'm coming from. Like, yeah. I, like I used to, and, the, and this is kind of coming back from my days arrived with Noah. He was always finding the transition and he was bunnying and he was always, he was ollieing and he, we'd be riding the squad. We'd be going on the chop together. And half the time he was in the air, like leaping over these ruts and just landing on the backside of like little moguls and, and, and little powder, you know, powder piles and stuff. And it's just, yeah. it's like, and we would, it's like motoing. It's like, I, I don't, I'm not a motocross rider, but it's like, we would call it motoing and, and Rowan Rogers is way into it too. And like, brah, 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 brah. and you're kind of like, it. you're like bunying and, and, and airing down the mountain versus just laying back and making patterns that turns there. It's, I know it sounds, uh, no, you know what? Okay. You're, you're completely <laughs> convinced me now. I, I rode with Jason Bazarish bass, bass, under chair five. Uh, and it was kind of a chundry day. And I got to the midpoint and I thought I must have lost him because I was, I was hauling ass and it was kind of what you're talking about, but he was so far ahead of me. It was crazy that he had to call me. He's like, where the hell are you? He was already at the bottom waiting at the chair because he rides so fast. He was riding like a, like a, a, a Sims kid well like knockoff like something uh-huh. that he traced and somebody had made it maybe he made it himself don't doubt fast dude he's so fast and he <laughs> was riding like what you were saying and i was wicked timid in that like uh-huh. I, I find that that stuff really throws me off like my legs get killed in like one run two runs that, that's funny because that's it might be all the years in squaw yeah like i was saying earlier what i like i've slowed down in my airs and my lines and i don't do big cliffs anymore 15 feet and 20 at the most i just sure. don't but but I literally feel like I'm better at that kind of riding. Interesting. It might, it might be all the years at Squaw. Yeah. And Mike and I, like, it was funny because Mike, you know, Mike was always a filmer, my brother, but yes. he was never a pro snowboarder. But I have literally watched him just take out technique wise so many pro snowboarders at Squaw and Power Days because I'm, I'm not going to mention names. Sure. But they sure, would, sure. And that's not a lot of them. They're not, it's just some of them. <laughs> yeah. They would come to town to film back in the standard days and they're insane freestyle riders. Sure. Maybe they're from Scandinavia. Who knows? They're like, <laughs> they're like, they're, dude, I mean, switch this, that, whatever. They're going to throw down the hugest, most beautiful freestyle tricks you've ever seen. But you get him to the top of KT on a choppy powder day. Dude, no chance. Like Mike just comes out and goes, <laughs> and just, yes. and I'm like, dude, that was sick, bro. And then here comes whoever, and they'll backseat, pitch, roll, tumble, tumble, tumble. It's yeah, like, it's just, it's, it's, its own. It's literally like it's, it's, it's almost like it's its own sport. Like you, like you, you look at climbing, and there's like bouldering and big wall climbing and sport climbing and trad climbing, and snowboarding has it's the same way, man. There's like you got pipe riding. You've got backcountry booters, you've got rails, you've got big mountain riding. And then here's, the, this is this other little facet. It's riding the chop at a ski resort. This is the movie you guys got to film now. <laughs> yeah, it's just like literally like I'm at the top of KT, it's West Fates, it's two in the afternoon. It's that perfect snow. It's like this ultimate epic light, perfect powder. It's just skied to shit. It's just completely tracked out. Yeah. But it's not moguls. It's like it's not fresh and it's not moguls. It's yeah. like this like weird choppy crud. It's like just what ski resorts on a powder day is. Yeah. And that technique, that style of riding is literally to me, it's its own kind of sport. And I just love it because it's it's one of my favorite things to do because it's 
you're riding a chairlift, so you get a ton of laps in one day. Totally. And you just, and it's just all about this technique of how you try to ride like Noah. Try, just, just like bunny, boom, bam, ba, bam, moto down. You've got me yeah. totally a hundred percent convinced. You know, I got to learn it's, how to do. You this. know, it's epic. It's just like going fast in the crowd. It's its, its yeah. own sport. And there's not a, there's a, there's a fair amount of snowboarders who are good at it. There's a there's you know Ryland's good at it. His sure. all, all his buddies, anyone that rides a lot of resort riding on pow days. They're, they're, you know, all the Whistler boys, bass, you know, whatever. But there's there's also a fair amount of climbers. There's a fair amount of boarders that kind of shy away from that, and they don't really get it or do it, or they. I'm one of them. Yeah. Like I, I remember seeing because it is really, really impressive to see it from the chairlift. You're watching somebody that's uh-huh. just crushing this run that's been spent mutilated yeah it's been spent it's like but then they're hitting things in it and blasting huge airs into pockets where you're just like oh i wish i could do that and the ski like the skiers and the fat skiers are good at it yeah it's a yeah and it can be pretty high consequence like when you get hauling ass and you're bunnying and motoing down a mutilated power run if you fuck up (laughs) if you screw up (laughs) You, it's going to hurt. Like you can just, you can eat it, man. Bad. It, yeah. it hurts. Yeah. Cause it's not like totally soft pal. So I know they're going to laugh at me and blah, blah, blah. No, but there's it's, people out there that get it. Yeah, I, and I know there's some people right now going right on Dave. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, dude, yeah. I'm going to go fucking mutilate the pow tomorrow and that's chopped up run. And I'm going to moto like, like Noah did. And it's, yeah, it's just a, uh, and, and, I mean, maybe when I said that it's untracked snow was too easy, but I think, I think, <laughs> I think a lot of snowboarders can relate. And the fact that it is actually quite easy. I mean, if you're on a, if you're on like a perfect steepness run and it's got fresh snow on it and you've got several years of snowboarding under your belt, yeah. let's face it. I mean, ripping power turns is pretty easy. Yeah. It's not yeah. that hard. Well, like I told you that, uh, Jason Mack took me to, Coleman's, uh-huh. which I don't know technically how hard that is. Like it's black diamond, it's just whatever. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like it's it's not like super gnarly. But yeah. to drop in there sight unseen, I didn't even really scope it from the chairlift. Just like you're not blind, but you see that corner. And he yeah. and he was a mountain guide in in uh, Alaska. Yeah, so he's he, badass. Yeah, he was. He gave me the exact. Perfect. He said just like one big banana there, and then you'll see the rock wall on your on your right side. And everything should be good to go. And it was just exactly how he said, like when he came down it after I watched him and he, he really kind of noodled it, but I mean, there was a track in it, but then when he got to me, he was like, you sent that dude. And I was like, yes, but, but like you're saying it was super easy because it was completely untracked and it was just wide open. Being the first guy down lines is is critical. I, I was really a stickler about that back in the day Mm -hmm. when I did lines at squaw, like Coleman's or whatever, any of the lines, if I wasn't the first guy there, it's yeah, I just don't even do it. It's just night and day. It's, it's, I, I, I remember way back we were filming, for fear of a flat planet with Sick. Dano, Dan Donnelly. And we both got in the shoot. It was a verbier and it was like turns to an ollie over like a 20 foot cliff land in a pocket and then ride out. And so like he won the Ram Rochambeau and he got to go first. I'm like, yeah. Oh man, this thing's gonna have a track and it's gonna be gnarly. And I, that was, like I said, I hated doing lines cause it just threw me off. There was something about having that, that untracked snow. I could just ride it the way I wanted to ride exactly. it. Toe, heel, boom, ollie, just it all, I, w- I wasn't like having to plan my line around tracks. So we, we, so we both weasel down into the entrance of the chute to the point of no return. Yeah. Dano goes first the, you know, they're filming and he lands in the pocket and the whole thing rips. Oh. It's like a two foot fracture and the thing rips to ice. 
Oh. And it's like a pretty, you know, like I said, it's like an area into a pocket, like you're landing in between rock wall yeah. and then you're like pointing it into a bowl with, with like, oh, more rocks. Oh. And I'm in this shoot, like committed. You can't climb back I can't, out. I can't climb back out. Oh, I, mean, I was like, I, I thought about it. I thought, yeah. well, but yeah. I'm like, well, it could be more dangerous because I'm going to unstrap my board and then I could lose my footing and, and then, then it'll slide. Jesus, yeah. So I had to do the line and land on ice. I did. I had to like fully like twenty footer to just yeah. yeah, It was insane. I was like so scared. I'm like, well, there's this is it. Like I have to do this, and and that was that that really ingrained in my mind. Yeah, like like first track only. Yeah, like your your experience you had today. It's like it's it's so different when you when there's a track in it. It's not even yeah. It's 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 not the same place. It blows your concentration. It blows your flow. And yeah, if you're gonna ride a line, be the first guy, or just maybe go wait a different day or ride something else, or (laughs) or wait until it's totally tracked and then try and bunny it yeah well when, when you did coleman today too because it's kind of preseason, it was probably kind of semi skinnier than it because it gets it gets way more filled in oh yeah yeah probably and then what happens later in the year is there's this thing called the coleman straight run and there's a there's a direct entrance into it where you you basically come down this knob cool. and you do like a small air there's pepper and then you land basically right in the chute that you nice. were riding yeah and, I, and then the, the day i did the hatchet line yeah on, on uh on the fingers i actually did the coleman straight run i went I went down. I was the first guy in the chair, and I and it was a really nice snow year. It's yeah. pretty filled in, and I pointed it down, and I just did the Coleman straight run as a warm up for fun. Oh my god! And then, and then so I, rad. And then, and then I went down. So check it out when you're when you ride, or maybe we'll go ride there on tomorrow. I hope so. Show, yeah, you know, that'd and, be really fun. And I'll uh, show you the Coleman straight run. Well, it's, I think it's just pure rock right now because there's not enough snow. It is. Yeah, for yeah. sure it is because it was just it was where we dropped in. There was just to the left. It was just a big. Rock. Yeah, that that would have been your riders' left as you were coming in. Yeah. But yeah, that's a cool line. As you do that, then you're perfectly poised to hit the fingers. And then you. I feel in. so so lucky that today happened because yeah. most times you go to a resort. Say you go to a resort by yourself, you don't know where the hell to go. Yeah, like the first couple of runs for me, I was like, I know I'm blowing it, but I can't. Like I don't know where the cliffs are and all this shit. Like yeah. they're just marking cliffs with like a little yellow placard. Yeah, you know and, what I mean. Yeah, not only. Not only the cliffs, but then all the all the hits and the jibs and the wind lips. And oh yeah! If you take you one, run, if you take right. one run yeah. on KT with someone who knows where they're going, like say Rylan, and you follow yeah. you follow him down, and he's going to take you on a on run that he does all the time. You're gonna you're you just gonna, stay on that run well, all day. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna notice there's five jumps that you weren't even thinking about right, hitting. Right. You're like, oh, look at that hip right there. I didn't even see that. And look yeah. at that. And all of a sudden, I didn't you, hit any jumps yeah, and today. So you're kind of hitting. Yeah. Well, probably not the best conditions for it with the visibility and the mm-hmm. flat light. But mm-hmm. uh, anyways, you're, you're gonna. It's yeah. It's all about knowing the mountain and yeah. Like you said, the the, cli- the cliffs is one thing and the exposure. And then, and then making the most of your run, not having to traverse. Yeah. And, and it's my first traverse. Like I went right to the nose, but I just went over like the top and it was like exposed kind of icy Did you make crust. The, did you have to unstrap or did you make the traverse? I made it. I made the traverse. No problem. But the problem was at the top of each of those little pitches, there was, it was just like ice that I could break through. And then it was slush underneath. And I was, I didn't know what was on either side. Like I was like, Oh my God, there's like no tracks over this flat light. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I thought if I slip, I don't know what the hell I'm slipping into. I was like gripped. I was gripped the whole way over. And then once I got guided over, there's, like a lower line you can do that's just pow there there is some sketchy stuff in there though like a little bit to the rider's left of the nose is a uh, shoot called big balls and there was um and then noah actually almost got killed there one time he there's if you ride the spine on the left side rider's left side of the nose 
you can go down that spine and you kind of like ride and run on the edge of big balls and then you come back in at the last second onto, you know, you're above cliffs, but then you traverse riders right back into the nose and he hit some ice in there and slid off and went like, as, as far, I'm trying to remember, he, he slid off a cliff kind of in a slough and, and totally went off a cliff unexpected and like not where he wanted to go and landed in a pocket of snow, like right between rocks and got like really lucky. Like he, he basically just got sloughed off cliffs like the wrong way oh, and, and landed in, in some pow. But, uh, the nose is funny. Like where you were today, the Coleman's Mike yeah. and I were, were talking about this. It's never pow. The nose <laughs> is always <laughs> moguls, ice or windswept. It can snow 18 right, feet. Right. And it's just not, it's just one of those places on the mountain where the snow never collects. Yeah. And then once you get moguls, it doesn't take much to get moguls on it. So basically what happens is, Real early in the season, it gets opened up and people put some moguls in there and then the moguls just never go they away. Stay. They it's, get a little bit yeah. of wind blown in there yeah. and then but, but, yeah, but, every pow day they yeah. just get bigger and yeah. bigger. It just never, it's just one of the spots that uh, never fills in. But a little local tidbit here for you. <laughs> just to the right of the nose, on the rider's right side of the nose and left of Coleman's where you went is this thing called Hero Shoot. And this is odes to, this is a shout out to Noah because he used to love this run it's, and he called it Hero Shoot. Because you're right, you're just total visibility of the chair. And it's basically rider's right side of the nose. And it's a little bit right of this cliff drop called the booger. Nice. And it's this perfect little, in, this, in the beginning of the season, it's a shoe. Then it kind of just turns into like a snow face, kind of a wide open snow face. But Noah would just rip it in classic Noah style. And he would, he, he loved to do it. He would do it a lot on powder days. And Mike would always follow him. So it'd be like, Mike and Noah, we're going to hero shoot. I'm like, oh, you guys are going to track it. I'm going to go to the left or whatever. But yeah, it's a look for it next time you go to Squaw. I'll point it out to you. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a classic. Uh, and, you know, we're probably the only people that ever call it Hero Shoot. It's, but that's, that's a little local. Yeah, I think that Jason Mack guy pointed out. Did he, he said yeah. that that's a, he might have called it Hero Shoot. Yeah, he might have. It's yeah. a, it, like I said, this time of year, it's, a, it's kind of a shoot of sorts. It's, a, yeah, it's yeah. maybe like a. I don't think it's eight, filled in yet. Yeah, it right? might be like eight or 10 feet wide right now. And yeah. just, just enough to kind of link like pretty tight turns. And, Typically on a powder day, you can kind of make a few turns at the top, maybe wiggle through a little tight section and then kind of let it run at the bottom. And that's the one, if you can be down there early and before the nose, which is never good, if you, if you, <laughs> that's the one spot where you can actually get some pow. But then what happens is people come traversing out of Coleman's as the day moves on and then that turns into a big traverse rut. Oh yeah, and then of you course. Can, and then you can end up hitting that traverse rut going really fast. Yep. And then that can be a bad scenario there. So it's like, it's just one of those things where you got to be like first guy down early in the morning. And it's, it's not the epic, uh, tra- uh tracked powder that I'm always, <laughs> I, I'm always searching for. So it's an A day, not an A plus yeah. day. <laughs> there are, there are days when it's good, but, uh, yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, maybe tomorrow we'll go, I'm going to go look for tracked pow all day. That's going to be, <laughs> that's going to be my thing. I don't think you'll have a hard time finding it tomorrow because no. <laughs> it's a weekend Yeah, and the forecast has been for good snow for like a week. So everybody's yeah. been like yeah, making exactly. their plans and they're going to be up here. Well, yeah. And one, one guarantee too is squad opens at nine. Yeah. So if you get there at like nine fifteen, yeah. you're guaranteed KT will be totally tracked. So this, you know, that's this, amazing. You have like a twenty minute window where it's untracked. And now I'll give it an hour. Like an hour. Yeah, yeah. You typically I'll say you get to get if you get there at nine right when they open, you're going to get two really good, probably top to bottom, pretty much power like yeah. on track. You yeah. Might, 
cross a few tracks here but and you there. gotta pick your line yeah. it's not like you yeah. just get anything yeah and then by the third lap it's already deteriorating and then by 10 yeah if you stand at the base of kt and you look up at the fingers and the whole mountain it's going to basically look completely tracked. That's unreal. Yeah, so today was just a luxury. It was just such a... It, it was the wet snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre, you know, it's not... The, the, it's, the resort's not crowded yet anyway. So even if we had like an A-plus day right now, yeah. it just wouldn't be that bad of crowds. Well, it could be an A-plus day tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow I'm thinking Sunday. because Sunday. Think, yeah, I think that we're going to get the lower snow levels and the visibility. And the double dose of the, like snow. Better snow. Tracked snow. Yeah, better, yeah. better visibility. I think tomorrow's going to be a, kind of a transition day. Yeah. But probably still fun to ride. But I'm going to call it out right now i'm gonna go b to b plus <laughs> i'm predicting it. Yeah, i'm gonna go a minus on sunday because i don't think we're gonna get enough snow to go a plus yeah but as long as it doesn't freeze on saturday night and we avoid some dust on crust scenario yeah and it kind of stays soft through and through that's another thing to have learned that i think you know any rider will get what i'm saying it's all about hitting bottom like when you right. go, when you go to make right. a turn yeah like the worst conditions I've ever ridden in my life. Noah, again, I'm thinking of Noah. Noah was so rad. I love Noah. Yeah. Um, we were at Big Sky back in the day, and it was the worst dust on crust conditions I've ever experienced in my life. It was, it must have been 20 below or whatever the hell it was there in yeah. you know, Montana. And yeah. it snowed like a foot and a half overnight. It hadn't Which snowed. sounds like the best. Yeah, it hadn't snowed for two weeks. Right. They get a foot and a half of just 20 below, below or just the lightest snow on top of the hardest, gnarliest ice base. And you, dude, it was insane. Like you just, you would blow through that foot and a half of snow like it wasn't there at all. Yeah. And you're just, so you're basically riding ice yeah. with a foot and a half of power that didn't even matter that it was there because it wasn't even <laughs> soft or slowing you down at all. Right. And then you'd hit these like little death cookies and get bucked. And uh-huh. the locals were like, it's so sick. It never snows a foot and a half in Montana. And I'm like, kind of thinking to myself, it snows a foot and a half every day in Tahoe. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is the worst power day I've ever had. And they're like, they're raving about it. And me and Noah were just like laughing. We're just like, dude, those guys can have Montana, bro. Yeah. But, but back to what I was saying is it's, it's all about hitting bottom. Bottom. And it's all like, so when I think about those A plus days, if dust and crust is the worst on a snowboard for me for riding that chop snow, Absolutely. but if you can push your edge down and you can lay into your turn and you don't get any resistance and you don't like bang and hit like hard snow or, or like a lump of snow or wet snow or whatever it is that slows you down. That's when I kind of start going a plus when I feel like I can lay into my turn, the hardest I can lay into it and nothing, there's no resistance. And then I just come off of that turn into my next turn and then there's no resistance. And then there's just no, and then there's just never any resistance on any turns. Yeah. And I get missed like the, 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 the bump skiers used to say the freestyle guys stay light, think light. And I, and, and I've, and I've actually taught a lot of my friends, they they see me riding the crud. They're like, "Fuck, Dave, you're pretty you're you're pretty good at riding crud, bro." Like, hey, what's your technique? How do you do that? You know, and it's all, some of them are really good snowboarders, but most of them are like more like my kind of up you know budding snowboarders that are just starting to ride. And I go, "Bro, s- stay light, think light, don't overpower, don't push into your turn so much. Like, it's more like about floating." And finding those transitions and not digging in so much. You're not like on a you're not on a, a groomed run, railing like Victoria right. Jalouse. You're not, right. you're not you're not trying to make a race turn. Right. You're, you're and, and and it's and another thing, funny thing too. My, people might laugh at me, but it's it's like it's almost like doing like little smear turns and like a, when I say smear turn, I mean like you're you're flat based. You, your your board your board is flat. Yeah. And you're smearing side to side. 
like little J turns versus like a carving turn. Right. And, Cause you don't want to think about like when you're, if you're on an untracked powder run, you're just going to kind of carve bat left, right, left, right. Maybe I'm going to slalom. Maybe I'm going to GS. Maybe I'm going to super G. Maybe I'm going to point it, but you're just kind of like linking these like even turns. Whereas riding that crud is more about like spur of the moment, smear turn, slalom turn, GS, point it, bunny, moto. It's just, it's all, it's just like, it's just happening so fast. And you're just, that's what I just love about it. It's like this like crazy, like, it's just, you, every run's different and it, you just never know what to expect. And I'll, and it's funny, I'll have like, I'll go do one run and I'll be like, dude, that, I killed that. Like that was the best run ever. I felt so good. And I'll go back to the ne- very next run and I'll do like kind of the same line and I'll just suck. I'll be like, <laughs> I'll get bucked on my first turn. Yeah. Yeah. Then I, I get it together for my second turn. My third bunny moto doesn't work out. I'm in the rut. I hit the mogul. I hit the eye spot. I'm like, dude, that was like, Flip over. yeah, like it's yeah. like all it takes is one little wrong moment yeah. to, to kind of like mess you up in that situation. Throw it off. But, yeah. but like I said, it's, it's kind of like that. I know I'm kind of talking a lot about the, the chopped powder, but it seemed like a kind Dude, of... Dude, I love it. it. It seemed like a funny subject. And it's, yeah, it's, it's like... <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's like, I, I know that, you know, maybe people are going to listen to this and they're going to relate on their next the day when they go ride mutilated pow. It's like, dude, smear turn, bunny, moto, hop, carve, boom. <laughs> and you just, dude, it just feels so rad when you nail it. And you're like, and you're reading the train too. It's not like you're just on this open face I mean, maybe you're on an open face, but I'm, when I'm doing it, I'm kind of looking for contours too. I'm looking for, I'm looking for wind rolls and like little, like little undulations in the snow. Stuff to jump yeah. off of. Yeah. Yeah. Things, yeah. Things then, to hit. Yeah. Maybe it flows up on a little cat road. Like Homewood had all these. One thing that Homewood has is a lot of rad cat hits or sorry, wall rides. There's oh, wall nice, rides everywhere. Nice. And so when the powder days come up, you can really hit a lot of wall hits and you can do like cool butters and slides and you can just do all kinds of kind of fun, like freestyle tricks on the, on the wall rides and stuff. So you can kind of link those powder runs into those, those powder, you know, the choppy powder runs can then kind of flow into like the undulations and the, and the contours. And cause I feel like snowboarders, do a little bit better job of reading the contours of the mountain and making more use way of, a better job. Yeah. Of, of like of riding, you know, I was riding with the Burton team yesterday, Danny Davis and all the crew and Blotto was up at, at Burton. Whoa. yes. Uh, they were up at, uh, was it yesterday or the day before <laughs> they were all up at, um, uh, we, we were, I got to take some laps with them and, uh, and I was watching some of the younger riders. I can't even remember a couple of their names. Uh, but they were, it was great. It was like watching them ride and they're like, that's how I like to ride. Like, why, like, 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 Sometimes it's a bit much. Like you're almost like, dude, slow down, bro. Like you're just going to li- like, you don't need to like hit every little thing, but sometimes you kind of do. And it's, yeah. it's like, I feel like snowboarders really make that, that happen. They, they, they use every undulation, every little thing, every wall ride where skiers are just kind of like parallel turn, stem Christie. Like you just like, dude, like that's I w- why if you go heli and, and I don't think that this is going to have been your experience because you probably haven't spent a lot of time at like heli lodges going for a vacation you know what i mean no so i was working unfortunately <laughs> yeah 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 but when you're at when you're at a heli lodge i was there as a guest of one of the people that worked there and you go out with the skiers that paid the 15 grand to be there for the five days they're really not very creative in in going down the hill yeah. they're really looking for powdered eights like when <laughs> when you take them to like interesting terrain they tend to like go in in a single track down a bunch of stuff and you're like whoa you're totally wasting this run you guys like the guide brought us here the tail guide is like you can go anywhere to the left of the tracks to the right of the tracks like 
you don't need to go down the track. Like that's insane that yeah. you're doing that. Well, sometimes I'll even make you right. They're like, they want you to like make one, like you go down yeah. and then I have to go down one foot of your track yeah, and, and yeah, do yeah, the exact yeah. track because yeah. we're like trying to save the powder. That's pack. where that's- I saw these guys who had been riding all week and it's the last day and, and they brought us to this sunny open, just like an open bowl, like the most boring <laughs> blue run that you've ever seen. And these guys are making powder aids and they get to the bottom and they're like, why did you save this till the last day? Like, this is the best run of the trip. Like uh-huh. you could make an entire heli operation of just going to those big, wide open, boring, you know, you know, as opposed to going to the interesting stuff that you're talking about, like where I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to ride straight down a hill ever, not ever. Like I I want to hit features and, and enjoy the run. That's where it's at, man. That's where, and that's where you see the creativity in snowboarding and a lot of skiers do it too. And especially a lot of the younger skiers. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll, you'll, you know, especially now the fatter skis, they're, they're kind of getting on that tip. Totally. It's, this totally reminds me of a super funny story. Way back in the day at Revelstoke, we're going there for a fall line film shoot. Super classic crew, farmer, Parada, Hetzel, Maddie Goodwin, uh, Goodman, sorry, Maddie Goodwin, Goodwill, um, myself, Tom Burt, and my brother was filming, and Sean Sullivan was shooting stills. And and it was, and it was so we, you know, Revel Stoke, and we're heli skiing, and we go up with the first run, and they're being all super proper with their heli etiquette technique and stuff. So, okay, here's the bowl, and I want you guys all to kind of like stay close to each other and, you know, like try try not to chew up the powder and stuff. So, like, I can't remember who went first, but we just completely did the exact, (laughs) like, they were pissed. Like, dude, Farmer goes this way, Parada goes that way. Like, I mean, we followed their protocol of, you know, going at the right time. But like literally, we just zigzag mutilated and between the eight of us. We just completely That's annihilated. It. We annihilated this whole run. Yeah. Like yeah. we used every feature and just crisscrossed <laughs> and like no one's tracks match. No one looked the same. Right. Goodwill went over here and went off a cliff and Tom Bird did that. And it was, they were, it was, it was like the epitome of the exact, like it made them mad. It was funny. Yeah. Because yeah. they, they, they wanted like the Wigglies, like, okay, tight formation, flying tigers, blue angels. Like. He's looking at the, the run going, okay, we got 10 runs down here as long as yeah. everyone keeps their tracks nice. Yeah, that, that didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> that did not happen uh that's awesome yeah, it was it was such a classic crew i mean what a what a bunch of crazy guys and that's was, that's yeah. an all-time crew and an all-time way to ride the mountain like yeah. that's that's what it comes down to is like creativity in snowboarding that's it's the it's the core of it it's the authentic yeah. core of snowboarding is looking down the mountain in a, in a way that like that's going to be fun that i'm going to hit that and then this like uh-huh. it, it's definitely not. Hey, listen, honestly, if you're a listener out there and you like making powder eights, it's fun. <laughs> it's, I could see it. It's cool. I get, I get it, but it's just not snowboarding in the way that all the movies showed us. All the creative riders showed us this cool way of riding like exciting terrain, yeah, not, not agreed. like boring stuff. And you know what? That's maybe where I missed out uh, the first time that I watched the films where you were doing Mendehall Towers. I'm like, that's just like, I mean, technically it's insane. Going back and watching it, it's like, I'm gripped just watching like, oh my God, can can you even ride something that steep? It's insane. But it's at the end of the day, it's your turns look so nice and perfect that it's like, I want to see something like challenging or interesting you know what i mean so like we would maybe and i've said it a bunch on the show and we didn't do it all the time but once you've watched the movie four or five times you're fast forwarding those power turn runs because you're just going i just want to see how did jamie lynn 
do that? Like he came off his toes. Oh, is he switching that? Is that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you wanted the technical freestyle side of things as opposed to like, we get it. You can turn, you got a helicopter. It dropped you at the perfect place at the perfect time. And you turned down that thing, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. If I was there, I could have done it. And now having seen say TB in real life, any Tom Burt does not, I, I said it to Sedway too. He doesn't, come across on the on the screen in a way that you can understand how incredibly talented he is on a snowboard he just looks like he's just it looks like he did something up there and now he's just coming down like he's looking at the camera like yeah that was fun up top but he's like so in control and so relaxed on the way that it yeah. doesn't look like it's challenging him you, you almost have to you know someone like tom you have to kind of ride with him it's yeah a, it's Again, back to the you know the technique and the A plus days and the crud and yeah. it's just it comes down to like you said it is just turns right it is it is at yeah. the end of the day it is just turns and it's not doing some technical trick or it's not it's the furthest thing from that but the 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 style and the technique that goes into that oh yeah is way beyond what you can imagine if you're just getting bored as a viewer watching someone just making powder turns because it's that's part of it right but, but there's there's a lot more that goes into it and especially when you come into riding a technical line or a dangerous line go and get on one of those lines like that's the thing for me as soon as i got to mount baker i was like oh flying the wall isn't that's not a run yeah and it's in you i mean you can kill yourself and there's rocks everywhere it's straight down yeah, you have to make and so your turns have to be totally perfectly planned and you yeah. have to you have to hopefully nail it and you and you flow into the line and ride it perfect and right hopefully hopefully but, but it's you know the consequences are high on gnarly lines like that but it's and that's kind of a funny point that you made about the the pat you know the the, the breakdown of the, the the powder and <laughs> i get it and and it's funny because jeff mckittrick my skier friend he used to do the same thing with the jib sections he hated the jibbing but right. he, he loved the he loved the big mountain because he was a big mountain skier, is a big mountain skier. Yeah. She's like, Dave, every time the jib sections come on, that's when I know I need to go take a piss. So, you know, <laughs> so he'd watch like, he'd watch like my section and Tom Burt's section. And then when like whoever, the you know, freestyle section came on, he was just over it. He's, He's like, like, forget dude, it. Dude, that stuff's so lame. Little rails and little small airs. And it's just, who cares? That was, that was a theme early on in the show this year. I went back and listened to Chuck Barfoot, the interview that I did with him. And he was saying, he was probably the original guy to say that's not snowboarding. You know, like when someone yeah. says like jibbing's not snowboarding like rails or, or whatever. rails or one foot stuff, that's not snowboarding. He was like anything that's not surfing down the mountain, any of that freestyle stuff where you jump in the air, where you're flipping around backwards, that's not snowboarding to uh -huh. me. I was yeah. like, that's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's such a narrow view that uh, yeah. it's all well, you want to do is surf. Well, when you, you summed it up, narrow view, it's, it's, mm -hmm. uh, I feel I've seen a lot of people and heard a lot of people with those kind of those similar views. Sure. And I mean, just call me open-minded, call me yeah. just more of that kind of casual guy. But I've always just had this, this view towards life just with everything with, with surfing and snowboarding. I like everything. I suck at rails. I've done some rails. You're not going to see me doing a rail in a movie, but yeah. I, I tried some rails back in the day with Rippy to see if I can do them at Mount Hood. And Sick. I did them. Sick. I did some, some board slide 180 out. Like yeah. I did some rails and said, it wasn't me. I just wanted to see if I could do it. But I always, even though it was the furthest thing from what I liked to do on a snowboard, I, I loved the talent. I, I, I appreciated the talent. And I always, when I watched movies, me personally as a viewer and a snowboarder, I liked watching Jamie Lynn. I liked watching the rails. I liked watching Noah. I liked the jibbing. I liked the big Have mountain. Have you seen any of this stuff that's coming out now, the X Games real edits? 
No. Oh my God. Just yeah. Google it after okay. this. And like the stuff that they're doing is so creative and like super styly and like on rails. Yeah. Or... It's not even just rails. It's like, it's like they go to old towns and like ride features that, that are, you wouldn't believe it. It's just yeah, insane. Like, like building Jimmy and like buildings and urban yeah, Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's like, incredible. Again, that, that stuff too. Like I just, I could never yeah. do it, but like watching yeah. it, I can get excited about it. And yeah. now I think like what you're saying, there's two points I want to make. Number one, when I was a kid, all I cared about was getting in the air. And so that, that was a narrow minded view. And now I appreciate it a lot more. And number two, I was so, I am now still so grateful for the fact that the standard movie showed a, a very broad swath of what was going on in snowboarding as opposed to getting just like just street jibs or like whatever the flavor of the year was for whoever was doing whatever, just a, you know, a whole movie of just big air jumps or whatever. The, it, it, when you would sit down and watch that, like a TV movie for the first you know, for the premiere, you know, our first premieres were just in the shop. The the movie would come in from VMAX. We'd put it in the v- VCR and 50 people would just sit and watch the whole movie all the way yeah. through. It it really did give you that feeling of snowboarding is, is a broad spectrum sport with a lot of rad shit in it. Yeah. I mean, why not? That, that, that was kind of our business plan to begin with was. Mike and I will concentrate on the extreme side of it, big mountain riding and dog, or we'll do the jibbing mm-hmm. the freestyle and we'll combine it. And just, I don't know, like why not, why not watch it all and appreciate it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And if you've got the talent to ride it all, if you, <laughs> if you're, if you're a Kevin Jones, if you're a John's action, if you're, I mean, Noah, yeah, oh yeah, man, I mean, all, almost it, it, no one better than Noah. Yeah, the the list goes on. Torstein, yeah. I mean, all these the, Travis Rice. There's, yep. there's so many guys that can ride everything and women. Yeah, like if dude, if you can rip pipe and you can rip big mountain and you can rip rails and you can dude do it. Like yeah. it's like that's to me that's the ultimate rider. And that's that's always been the ultimate rider is someone that can put it together all. But Agreed. but but at the same time, I have mad respect for just the rail guy and I and just you know Jeremy who can barely do a 360 to save his life, you know, Jones, but he's like one of the best big mountain riders ever. Hell yeah. But, but like, I just, I just like it all. I'm, 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 a, I'm kind of an easygoing guy. I got a smile on my face. I'm just yeah. ripping pal, having fun. And I just kind of like, I don't get super bitter or critical about people's riding or, you know, I just, I just like to enjoy if you're having a good time, I'm having a good time. Yeah. Do what you want to do. I'm not going to tell you how to ride or what to ride. I just, if you're having fun, do it, you know, and that, that's, I don't know. I just, but I get it. Like there's always those, there's the more hypercritical people out there, but that's a lot of that comes with age too, right? Like you kind of talked about when you were younger, that's how you saw it. Now you've kind of grown. Totally. It's a hundred percent. And that's kind of a metaphor for life. Like you're just so full of like testosterone and piss and vinegar and I'm the shit when you're young. Yeah. Yeah. And you're full of all these opinions and then you get like maybe pro snowboarding thrown in your face and you think I'm better than that guy. I could do that. And sure, here sure. I am stuck. I'm stuck swinging chairs and, you know, boreal. And, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So dude. you see, so you're like, you know, you've, you've, you, why does that guy get it? And I don't, and you've got resentment and stuff. But, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember feeling it about big boards. It's like, yeah, if I wrote a 175, I could stick every big cliff totally. and blah, blah, blah. But really it's not as you go and you try that, I rode like a rad air 
202 tanker or whatever Mm -hmm. it's not easy it's a completely different style of riding it's faster it makes that chunder you're talking about like way more fun way more fun if you have a nice big nose on a on a (laughs) you know like a just a giant board but it makes small mountain stuff no fun like you can't go to grouse mountain (laughs) with you know a a 202 it's like two turns and you're at the bottom of the hill and there's people you got to watch out for and stuff and you're going too fast and I yeah I my mind opened up a lot as I got older and realized that happens the best people in snowboarding definitely were not bitter they were they were like super stoked to go snowboarding yeah and and having fun outside you know building a quarter pipe outside of the hotel they were staying in and just having a session with their buddies Mm -hmm. that was fun for them and so was the alaska heli day you know like and those are the people that i look up to still now like a guy like yourself that you know reads the weather it knows where the best site is for it for squaw weather and you, you've got your a plus day you got it like okay well it's maybe maybe it'll surprise me you know you're going for a b day and you get there and it's a b plus or an a like and you're just happy riding when you're riding like that's that's super sick I, you mentioned at the beginning of the the episode that it was you know that there's a lot of people that get out of it. Like I'm thinking of a guy like um, Keith Wallace, who was such a shredder so early on, but it it just became really difficult for him to go to uh, a resort and and pay right and and it was crowded all of a sudden, and there's people building jumps, and everybody's kind of all over the place, and mm-hmm. it's fifty fifty snowboarders and skiers, and he's looking going like. Oh, there's a bunch of beginner snowboarders. Because there was a time where if you were a snowboarder on a mountain, there's a good chance that you were, you know, intermediate or above. You know, there wasn't a lot of beginner snowboarders. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I think there's a, there's a handful of people, and that's been my technique, is to just stay on till the bitter end. You may as well. And everybody kind of falls off, and then I'm up riding, you know, that Coleman shoot on a day when there's there's not that many people up there yeah i mean you, you can't let the the little things get to you the no. like with whatever happened with keith or there's a i just feel like there's a lot of pro snowboarders ex-pro snowboarders that let weird vibes or things that happen in the industry jade their view of snowboarding but right if you break it down when they first started they must have started for a reason because they loved it right and then and then the fame and the money kind of messed them up and then they weren't able to kind of just overcome that and go back to just being a a civilian snow, snow snowboarder again. <laughs> yeah yeah but you know it's it's just kind of the same thing with like the the the, the bitter lift off that's like i'm as good as those guys and yeah there's yeah there's okay i get it there's there's 500 insane snowboarders in the world or whatever that number is but there's really only room for 100 of them to be pros because there's just they can't they, they, the the companies can't sponsor everybody they wouldn't have yeah. enough money so yeah there's probably a fair a really good amount of like in riders out there that will never be sponsored, never be in a movie, never be in a mag, no one will ever know their name, that are insane riders, incredible riders. Oh, absolutely. Every resort has those yeah, guys. Yeah, and and but but they're they're insane. But literally, if you're a Travis Rice, if you're a if you're a Danny Davis, if you're like an A plus plus pro, yeah, you, that's gonna speak for itself. There's a there, reason. There's the guys like that, Kevin Jones, 
they're they're gonna be a pro snowboarder no matter what. Yeah. They're gonna make it because they're the best of the best. Yeah. The 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 guy the lift ops they might be as good as some of the B list pros. Totally. But that's you know like I said that the true talent is always gonna speak for itself and that'll always shine you know shine. And there's also of course you know a sponsorship comes image and marketability totally. and all that stuff too. So it's not, it's, it's, there's way more that is involved with just being a good snowboarder. You have to be a good ambassador to the sport. You right. have to be, yeah, maybe it's looks, maybe it's your hair. I don't know. It's what it's, it's something, <laughs> but you have to, you have to bring something to the table, to the, to the sponsors, to the, to the product manufacturers that it's going to be marketable and, and worthy to them. And it's a work ethic too. Like, especially nowadays with all the social media and the it's crazy, I mean, you, you gotta, you sign a contract, you gotta abide by that contract. And you have to, it's a job. Yeah. It's not, you, you have a, you have responsibilities and you have to be, like I said, an ambassador and a good rider and all these things. And it's, did th- you guys ever have like an unknown rider that just kind of tagged along with you that eventually ended up being like, that guy's insane with like Tucker Franson or some guy yeah, that just like Tucker's a great rider. He was, that's, I remember riding with him back in the day. He was really good, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'd have to, I'd have to dig deep into the, into the you know, archives of my memories. Yeah. To, anybody that yeah. just like kind of hung around, like knew who you guys were and uh-huh. just was like, Hey, Hey, uh, you guys and just all, followed all the, around. All of a sudden they were ripping. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll think on that. Yeah. Think on that. <laughs> Going through the history of snowboarding with people over the last five years with this podcast, I, like I was really not up to speed on, I had no idea what had happened before or even during when I was doing it. And it's so great to like link stories together and definitely hearing from people that lived in Tahoe, like what was going on down here was like a fishbowl, but also like it was just being broadcast out to the, to the entire snowboarding world is like, especially, especially in the days when you guys were, when you were a pro rider and when like the avalanche day, those avalanche days and, and the Sims, all the sim stuff, like Tahoe was the place. Yeah. It was the epicenter for sure. A hundred percent. I mean, there was stuff going on in, in Canada and Europe. And yeah. Like Ken Achenbach and all yeah, his, oh yeah, his yeah. guys. Evan Fien and, and Evan. Yeah. But there was the Tahoe was like, whatever. It was the North shore of snowboarding. It was, it was, it was kind of. Maybe because it was California and there was maybe it was the population. There was more people living here. People moved here, though, to yeah. do it. Yeah, like, well, it is a great place to we, we got the sun. It's a great place to ride. I mean, we got the sun. We got the pow. We got yeah. a lot of the elements. You you, know, you get up into the Pacific Northwest and it's like the weather's crappier. <laughs> yeah, totally. You, you get to you go for, you know, go to Southern California. It doesn't snow enough. And then you go you go interior like you start going Snowbird Jackson and you got high avi conditions. So this was kind of like the playground where you could kind of do it all and be in a safer environment. Um, you know, avalanche wise was certainly safer. So yeah, that probably had a little bit to do with it. And the crews were based <laughs> down here, like you and Mac dog, like that. This was, I was surprised to find out when Shannon and Dave were talking about it. I don't know if we talked about it on Mike. In fact, I'm sure we didn't that Oceanside or wherever the heck the trans world offices were and yes. snowboarder, like people would move close to there so they could go through with the photo editors and, and pick their photos and be like pushing their photos, you know, Uh like to get that, that was a part of being a professional snowboarder was being tight with the magazines and getting in there and like, yeah, that one's good. You know, like trying to, to do that image, you know, like trying, trying to make it. Yeah, that was definitely part of the game for sure. That's insane. Is, is, you know, knowing all those guys. And I think that obviously the guys at the magazines too, the 
you know, all the editors, they, they knew too. It was like a symbiotic kind of thing. Oh, where yeah. they, they knew who was, who was sponsored and who then, you know, who was giving money to the magazines as far as ad dollars. And they kind of had an obligation in a way to like, we kind of need to put these guys in the editorial stuff. Oh, because, they would say it. They, yeah. they, they would say it outright to a smaller company like Ice Age. They'd say, look, buy the ads shoot with our photographers, look at the list of names at the front of the thing and bring those guys to yeah. shoot your ads. And then the editorial just will follow. Yeah. But well, cause the staff photographers, it's, it doesn't cost them anything like those. So those guys were all on staff yeah. photographers. So they were getting paid to go shoot. They go out and shoot, but they wouldn't have to buy the photos cause they were already on salary. Right. So right. It, was, it was a lot harder as a freelance photographer to sell the stuff. Totally. But I mean, I think it works the same in all the surfing and all the sports is they know who the pros are and who needs the promotions. And there's, there's a reason they're putting those people in the editorials yeah. versus the bitter lift off at Boreal. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. There was put a, me in there. I can do that shit too. It's like, all right, well then go out and yeah. find a photographer and, yeah. and yeah, again, make sure you're on some good gear that is going to, is, yeah. is worth, because the magazines aren't going to print an, a, an editorial of someone on a four year old board or, yeah. you know, well, not if you can see the base graphics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you might get a pow shot. You might get a real epic shot from far away where they can't tell the board in there. But <laughs> I'm sure a lot of guys' claim to fame is something like that, you know? That's funny. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up, okay, man. Okay, cool. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. This day has been one of the best days of my life. Thank you very much. I wanted to talk about the, the arrowheads and stuff because that <laughs> shit is really interesting to me, but we'll have to table it for another episode, bro. Yeah, and then um, so how long are you in town for? I'm here until uh, Tuesday or something. Okay, well, hopefully 17. we'll get a good, I think um, Sunday, Monday, I promise. So Yeah. So let's go shred. B plus, did you say? I'm going. I'm going B tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going A minus on Sunday. Wow, and then possible A on Monday due to visibility if Sick. we if we get some light snow, and then I'll show you that technique. That the bump. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Dave. That was epic. Cool. Effing rad shoutouts this week to the man himself, Dave Hatchett, for inviting me into his home, where he's got collections of arrowheads, and birds, and cats, and heavy metal nostalgia like you've never seen avalanche snowboards you couldn't even believe man and thanks for hooking me up with passes at squaw that was awesome and effenrad shout out to jason mack the alaska heli guide and ski patroller at squaw who showed me around kt22 be sure to come back next week for another episode of the effenrad snowboard podcast presented by vans and brought to you by sia productions <laughs>